Morelia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. Tonight, we are stepping outside of the box and we are talking to Bill Hughes about Sanzinia. Uh, and uh, it should be an interesting show. Uh, we never have uh, spoke about this species, but uh, I know it's a favorite of a lot of people. Um, and uh, from from what I read on them, they can be a bit tricky to breed. I'm waiting for Owen to call back in. Apparently, he's getting dropped. We had a bunch of problems uh, this evening with blog talk. Um, I couldn't get in and uh, became quite an issue. But uh, we're we're here and we're and we're ready to. Uh, to do it. What's up with you, Owen? Oh, man, you're breaking up like crazy. You may have to go old school, brother. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just breaking up like crazy. I would hang up and call back in, man. Um, yeah, there you go. All right. So uh, before we get uh, Bill on here and get going, um, I guess uh, uh, we'll hit on a couple things as far as news. Um, you know, uh, the situation with Ben Rennick, uh, which is just uh, really, uh, I don't know, it's uh, very saddening, uh, you know, especially uh, our thoughts go out to his family. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm at a loss. Uh, I didn't really know uh, Ben other than uh, from uh, just, is that you, Owen? Yes. There you go. Old school. Old school tonight. Um, no, I was just talking about the situation with Ben Rennick and uh, how tragic yeah. it is. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't really know any details about it. But uh, like I said, our thoughts go out to his family and 29 years old, man. Whew. That's. That's insane. And to have, I mean, I wish we did know more details because, uh, I mean, all I get are rumors now that there was a robbery, that some people were after certain snakes. and uh, it, But even then, to, to, to end a man's life over some snakes is just shocking. It's disgusting. It, and it's a damn shame. So, And I met Ben a few times at certain shows, um, I think it was Tinley Park or something like that, but, and he always seemed like a really nice guy, so it is, a, it is a horrible shame that that happened, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I heard him uh, a few times on Reptile Radio, uh, I've seen a couple of his uh, videos on YouTube from various things, and I know uh, he uh, worked with ball pythons and retics, and uh, he even had anacondas, and, um, I don't know. Anyway, our thoughts go out to his family, and uh, hopefully they find the people that did it. And uh, I don't know. <clears throat> um, what's going on with you, man? Uh, not much. Just getting babies and ready to roll and all the other fun stuff you normally do at this time right now. Um, obviously, it's a pretty busy time over here for me. Uh getting the food trials rolling and then uh I gotta bust out the camera for the first time 
and then my car exploded. So it's, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah I know. So I was actually on my way to go. I know, right? I was actually on my way to go meet uh, Scott, pick up some snakes, and it—it's uh, one of those you're driving, and then all the lights turn on, on the dashboard, and you're like, "Well, either something's wrong sensor-wise, or the car is about to explode." But then it exploded. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's usually I've not a good sign. I've never been in the car where that actually happened. So, you know, but it's getting repaired. And some goddamn reason I'm going to keep it going. So. <laughs> Very cool. Very anyway, cool. Uh, other than that, dude, I mean, we're just trying to get everything going. I'm in the midst of rearranging the room um, and uh, getting figuring out what racks I can build and what racks I got to go buy. Um, I did pick up. The new rack, uh, the two Boa Master racks from uh, uh, Mike Curtin, and I absolutely love them. They're 41 quarts. They're the economy racks that Boa Master has, and they're great. Okay. And cool. it's really cool because they, they have like, they interlock like a puzzle piece, so it's really strong and sturdy, too. So hmm. I dig it. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if he's, I'm, I don't know if you saw the pic I posted up, but um, I um, got a cool thing in the mail today. I got a Darwin um, from yeah. uh, uh, Martin Rosemond, and uh, man, that yeah. thing is smoking. Oh, that thing shit. Is just, like, that is the coolest Darwin I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I, I had to... I, w- I didn't think he was going to split them up, but I said, ah, let me just take a shot. And uh, I asked him if he would, and he did. And I can't believe nobody jumped on that. I'm glad they didn't. And now I got him in my collection. Nice strike Darwin project going on. Uh, yeah. So, cool stuff. Pretty excited about that. That's that. going to be killer. And, and speaking in other news of stuff that arrived, uh, Matt Minotola is copying me again. and I, don't I saw that. It. Yeah, yeah I, saw that. I mean, what's he up? Jumped with that on the guy Rhino Rat for himself. Yeah, he ch- you know, jumped on the Rhino Rat bandwagon. I, I see that. I'm staying yeah, strong, man. With, I'm not, I'm not plays with my rough scales, goes and gets roughies. You know, her, here's I get rhinos. Jumps on the rhinos. Like, dude, come on. So. so tonight we're talking about Sanzinia. Have you ever wanted to work with them? Really cool. No, Sanzinia. but uh, no. Researching, yes. The same yeah. thing. It's like I never wanted to, because I'm like, eh, whatever. It's a boa, and if I start adding boa species, I'm never going to hear the end of it again. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have but, to explain that to Bill that uh, you're a yeah, uh, 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 a boa an, under, uh, an undercover bro, boa breeder and not like a yeah. pipeline guy. But uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate in, that. You know, <laughs> I'm hidden in plain sight with my yeah. my Dominican red baby. But yeah. it's like I, I never thought about it. But looking at them, they are Dude. gorgeous. Yeah, they're I really mean, cool looking things. And, and it's not just like the pattern or the color. I even dig the body type, the head that they have on them. That's kind of like, like it's not like a normal boa. Boa heads can kind of be lean. This is uh-huh. kind of more blocky, and I love it. So yeah. Well, uh, but would I get them? I don't know. Am I going to start looking after the show? Probably. That's how it usually that's happens. Right. Next thing you know, we all uh, we all have Sanzinia, right? Sanzinia. Yeah. 
no. So, okay. Uh, I don't really have anything else. So I, let's get this underway and get going and let's talk about some Sanzinia. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. How you doing? I'm, I'm kind of afraid to say anything now after that intro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I'm out of the closet when it comes to uh, when you've been doing this stuff as long as I have. Um, I just decided a while back that, and no, no insults intended, guys. But my mm-hmm. my lifestyle, I travel three to four days a week, every week for work, and messing with sensitive eggs of anything <laughs> other than a couple of choice colubrids that I've collected myself are just not. They just don't suit my lifestyle, and I just decided a few years back that I'll let the snakes do all the work, and I'm sticking with live bears. There you and, go. Uh, I mean, it's just I, um, until I get the Wi-Fi thermostat hooked up. I have a separate building for my my snakes, and uh, my just now my youngest just graduated high school. He was my human portable Wi-Fi because his instructions every day were text, text me. Text me pictures of the of the thermostats in the room, and then await further instructions. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he's he's off to college in the fall, so I've got everything I need. I just need to figure out a way to run an Ethernet cable from the house out to the the metal building on the outs. Well, it was they were metal buildings; they've been insulated, but I can't get a Wi-Fi signal through the building, um, oh. even with an ex- even with an extender. So I'm I don't know whether to hardline it underground, you know, just like you would a sprinkler pipe, run it through PVC, and put an antenna up. I don't know. Anyhow, but um, <laughs> so yeah, I just um, just I guess some background would probably be helpful. Cause, uh, you know, forgive me, I, I don't really know whom I'm speaking with. So, uh, well, this is oh, Eric, and that's it's, and I'm Owen. Yeah, so you got both but, of us here. So um, normally, what we do is we ask you, you know, how'd you get your start in reptiles, and uh, you can go ahead and start there if you want. You know, um, I'm 58 years old. I've been breeding, literally breeding snakes for 50 years. I bred my first garter snakes at eight years old. And um, awesome. I'm just one of those kids who the mom was really afraid to do the laundry because she never knew what the hell I was going to have in my pocket. <laughs> and, uh, I-, I can relate. You know, I've been field herping since I was eight years old. Started off in Connecticut, moved to California, and moved back to Connecticut, moved back to California, then to Oklahoma. I've been in Vegas for coming on 20-something years and um, have a small circle of what we call the old fucks herping club. you got to be like over 50, <laughs> over 55 to be a man. <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, we, uh, we, there's just a few of us, you know, spent, have spent years oh, with the advent of Google Maps, but we used to all have the Bill May topographic <clears throat> books and, you know, researching, you know, doing a ton of research to find stuff. And uh, we're pretty, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm militantly zealous about habitats I found and areas I found, but we just don't rush it all out to Facebook the minute we find something. We try to pretty much keep it under wraps. But anyhow, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in Arcadia, California. There was back in the 70s, there was an outfit called, it was a different, different outfit. It was called Western Zoological Supply. They're still around. But okay. Basically, they, they were big importers, big importers, kind of like Glade Turf on the West Coast. And literally, we used to ride our bikes out, and we would noose feeder lizards, and tra- we would get 25 cents a piece store credit. 
<laughs> and that's how okay. that's how I got that's how I got my first Burmese, um, African rock pythons, retics. You know, all the way through junior high, I had I had the big snakes, and um, actually got my first clutch of Burmese pythons. I want to say in 1976. And then when I moved to Oklahoma and went to college, I actually sold what was left of my collection to Bob Clark when he was just getting started. Wow. No kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was crazy because um, they got in it like it wasn't, I remember clearly anyone who's into into the the, the big snakes, um, they must have gotten in maybe 100 or 150 two to three foot Burmese and glowing in the middle of it was an Indian python sitting there and I just happened to be there that day trading lizards and there was a kid working not the owners and I actually traded for that Indian python (laughs) 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 and guess what the kid kid got fired the next day (laughs) yeah I mean (laughs) (laughs) and to this day I regret I don't I regret ever ever getting 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 rid of that snake not that I probably would have ever been able to pair it up I don't know some of those species, they'd be great to have, but be careful what you wish for. Because yeah. what are you going to do? It's like people that keep hot baits or that are illegal. Or what are you going to do with them? I mean, my yeah. goal, my goal is breeding because I feel that if I'm successful in getting animals to breed, that I'm doing everything else correctly. I think that's yeah. for me. That's that's the ultimate litmus test. So, anyhow, I've just I've done probably for the last twenty years. The, the reputation of quote being hard to breed or obscure has always been my. It's like my uh, mosquito light. I'm drawn to them. I went through all. I went through most of the generally available species of boiga, the mangrove snakes. I did the melanota, the dendrodendros, and the gemesinctas, and got those to breed. Uh, Barneck scrubs. No one was. I know. Everyone said they were hard to breed. I I, I got a couple of clutches and decided I really didn't want to mess around with a big 12-foot garter snake that just shit sprayed all over the room if you looked at him wrong. I never got yeah. bit by him, but, you know, I, I, I'd rather, personally would rather get bit than sprayed because uh, you wash your hands off and you keep moving. If you get sprayed, you got to burn your clothes and take a shower. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, um, really about 15 years ago, I just I just started kind of quietly – Hoarding, amassing Sanzinia. I've always, I've always loved them. There was very little literature out there on them. Um, really, isn't much literature out there on them. As a matter of fact, I just was cleaning out my office today and found an old article written by that, and this is sarcasm intended. Uh, well-respected mm. reptile expert, expert Bill Love. Sarcasm intended. <laughs> um, okay. On on Malagasy, what they call Malagasy tree boas, and uh, I disagree with pretty much uh, probably about sixty percent of the article. And it was just kind of curious because I've always said, with the advent of the internet, like when I was breeding the uh, mangrove snakes, I could purposefully write a hundred percent erroneous care sheet, and within three months there'd be some kid on the internet espousing it as gospel, Mm. just because they read it online. So. Um, just started just started buying them up. You know, they've, they've never been cheap. They've always been scarce because of their CITES protection. You can't get, you know, you can't get legal imported. You can ship them across state lines, but you cannot ship them overseas or receive them from overseas. So um, 
it really has been the last five years, six years that the interest in Sanzinia has just exploded. And I think um, there's about four of us, maybe five of us, that are getting litters on a on a regular basis. And so there's more of them being, you know, pictures are being put up, you know, uh, talk is getting out there. You see them at reptile shows occasionally. And I, I got to tell you guys, by bar none, they are the e- easiest snake on the planet to care for. <laughs> unless unless so, you want to breed. Okay. What, <laughs> that would, is that even related then, to Sanzinia? The, the fact that they were hard to breed, yeah. Yeah, Okay. That's that's what led me to them, and um, but I, and we can go through the whole the whole thing as far as care and 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 whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know how. Where, where do you want me to start? As far as uh, let's just start with ease of care. They are the most keeper error friendly snake. They don't care if they're too hot. They don't care if they're too cold. They don't care if they're too wet. They don't care if they're too dry. They'll eat anything, awesome. anything that has fur or feathers. They'll eat when they're opaque most of the time. Um, they're, wow. By and large, they're, they're compl- aside from being the nippy neonate stage, which lasts about 90 to 120 days, they're dog tame. They look like a deadly viper. Someone was earlier saying about their heads. You know, I was. Big, yeah, they got that big, chunky a uh, viper-looking head with the really deep yeah. labial pits, and uh, their their feeding response is off the charts. I mean, when you open the cage, they're right out the door looking to eat. But other than that, um, they're they're just so easy. They're just so easy to keep. You almost forget you even have them. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they they don't get stuck sheds. They don't they don't get respiratory illnesses. Um, my room has gotten 97 degrees upon occasion by accident, and they were just fine. Wow. Does it matter? They just go in the water bowl. They are just, um, they're magical. They really are. There are, well, there are two, there are, and there's a lot of debate taxonomically about, about this species on Madagascar. You, you've got an Eastern and a Western race, um, right now, you know, there's Sanzinia Madagascariensis. Madagascariensis and Sanzinia M. Bolotny. Bolotny being the western. On the western, you've got a big mountain range that divides Madagascar east and west. And the mandarins, what we call the mandarins, are the more commonly seen in the U.S., the brown phase, if you will. They're beige. They're kind of a boring uh, buckwheat gray, I mean buckwheat yellowish brown snake. On the drier, hotter western side, of the island, then you've got the greens, which are on the eastern side. And I think there was one of the questions that was submitted about, is there any, any crossover on the southern end of the island? Mm-hmm. There are no barriers to the population whatsoever. And okay. um, there, there has to be intergradation going on. And I, 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 I've never been to Madagascar, but I, I don't think, from what I've read, that the mountain range is so severe as to prohibit anything going through a, a river valley and getting over to the other side, so to speak. There are no Im- impermeable barriers between the two. More than anything else, the color change is more reflective of the habitat that they're in. You've got the greener, wetter, junglier side on the eastern slopes, and you've got the hotter, drier, brown side on the western slopes, so you've got, you've got pigment adaptation. 
by more than anything else. Okay. And I know. Is the, I know. Go ahead. I mean, is there is there any kind of a tendency between the two forms of like uh, preference of arboreal or you know is yeah, one yeah. kind of hang to the ground? Okay. Yeah, the westerns, the, the mandarins are much bigger. I've got I've got two females that are well over seven feet, and I mean they can. I don't do it, they, but they can they can easily eat a medium, a small to medium rabbit. Wow. Um, they the uh, the greens are are quite a bit smaller. None of them as adults I consider to be arboreal. They're just too big and too heavy. Um, most from, again, not having been there, but just, you know, I have most of mine in these big habitat, habitat system stacks that are uh, three foot by three foot by two foot, and they've all got basking ledges, and the only time they ever get up there and bask is when they're gravity. And they'll bake up there at 86 degrees for whatever they determine is a sufficient amount of time, then they go across to, they have enough, there's enough grade in, set up in the in the cage where they can get into the uh, high 70s or they'll sit right in the water bowl. But they're just too big and heavy. As babies, yes, they are very arboreal. Okay. And um, they're interesting, interesting, you know, they've got about a nine-month gestation. And wow. we'll get into court, we'll get, we'll get into courting and, and how to get successful litter. And from what I understand that I'm like the old, I, I don't mind sharing what works for me. And that's all I like. I should have prefaced mm-hmm. this whole thing is the only thing I can share is what, what has worked for me. I'm sure other guys have done differently, but this has worked for me now for I've gotten letters six years in a row from, from different females. So it seems to be working for working. me and them. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you have, a, when these things are born, they shed within 30 minutes of being born. And every baby I've had has started on live hopper mice within four days. Skip. Skip fuzzies, they go right to small hopper mice. That's how big they are when they're born. My litter average has been about 10 babies. And that is from four and a half to five foot females. The one I have that's grabbing now is one of these seven foot monsters. And um, it came to me, basically, a lot of the animals I've gotten have come from frustrated people who just said, I give up. I'm not getting shit out of these things. I'm done with them. Yeah. So I, I, I get them, you know, I pick them up, quote, unquote, on the cheap. And um, this one female came in. The guy who had her before me is a big dry Marcon breeder, kept them in racks like you would as Crebos. And judging by from how obese she was, I think he fed her as often as you'd feed a Crebo, which was huh. way too much. Great. <laughs> yep. So she's literally she's been on, she's almost almost seven foot long. I want to say at the time she probably weighed twenty five pounds, and she's been on a been on a one adult mouse every fourteen day diet for the last eighteen months. That's it. And any she's, any it, improvement? So she's grabbed now. The first year I put okay. a male, I put she came in. I got her with another female that was much smaller, but kind of obese, but. She bred for me last year for the first time. This one, the big one, didn't take, and I wasn't expecting her to. I just figured I'd put a male in there. You, you have no chance if you don't put a male in with them, and mm-hmm. uh, didn't take. But th- this year, this year it did. And um, the really cool thing about Sanzinia is their post-ovulation shed. If the breedings did take, 
they come out of that post-ovulation shed almost black, like 10 times darker than they were before they went in, which is to aid in them. And I I posted a picture up on a couple of Facebook groups with a a normal-looking, quote, a female I just got in uh, last month, with next to the gravid one, and it looks like I just took a black sharpie and, and colored her out black. But it, it's for them to help bake their babies while the embryos are developing. Wow, that's they, cool. Then as soon as they give birth, they have a you know a shed and they go right back to their old coloration. It's cool as hell. Wow, really that is cool. awesome. I've never and heard of that kind of stuff. It, it's it's remarkable, and it really what's really nice about it is. It tells you, okay, it worked. Then you can just set them up for their nine-month gestation, and pretty much they quit eating for most of the most of the gestation. And then, two, every one of them within two weeks prior to them giving birth, they'll start feeding again. Which means the babies have moved off the digestive tract. They're down by the vent. The pressure on the digestive tract has been lessened, so they can be hungry again. And they'll take them. You know, they'll take a small rat or a, a big mouse, and boom, here come the babies. That's so cool. I, they, that, that's, they're, 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 I wish I owned indicators. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. they, they take – now, it's, it's really not hard to breed them. I haven't found it very hard to mm. breed them. You just, you just have to throw um, – let me back up. My, my philosophy is – uh, my, my, I, I practice what I like to call benign neglect. I set my animals up. <laughs> okay. I, I, I set my animals up. I don't obsess over them, and, and I don't micromanage them, but I set them up with – I give them big enough cages where they have choices as far as my – other, my other big part of my – the other big percentage of my collection is emerald tree boas, so I'm, I'm speaking about both. Um, wow. I give them – I give them options as to where they want to, where they want, how warm do they want to be, how much security do they need to have, and I let them tell me what they prefer, and then I just replicate it for the rest of them. But I, I don't. So when it comes to breeding, you got to throw out all of your presumed parameters. They need to be mm-hmm. cycled. They need to be cycled into the low fifties, or you'll not get a fertile litter out of them. Very simple. So what I typically do in Vegas, it depends on when, when fall really hits. I have a separate building that I, that I don't run any heat in, and I'll set up my Sanzinia in that room and my emeralds as well, the breeders, and I just let the building drop with the ambience in Vegas. And we get, we get down to the, you know, the low 40s, high 30s a lot in the winter. But each cage right. has a radiant heat. Each cage has a – I have a herp stats. So what I'll do is I'll start shortening the day cycle because I think a lot of people forget that they need to. You need to. It's all about triggers with snakes. You gotta you gotta provide the triggers to shift their you know their body into the next the next phase of life. So I start shortening the days usually around Thanksgiving, and I'll mm-hmm. shorten the day. I'll shorten the days by an hour and start dropping temps. And I do this over my breeding period for them is somewhere around the middle to the end of November to the middle to the end of March. And every two weeks I keep, continue to drop temps and I drop an hour of the daylight. What I'm going for is 
a long, chilly night and a short, warm day. So I, you want them at the peak to be right at about 55 degrees for two weeks to maybe three weeks, but they're still getting four to five hours of about 75 degrees during the day. Mm-hmm. And, and so at the very end, you know, they're only getting – at the peak, they're only getting eight hours with the lights on, and of those eight hours, only five have the heat on. And I routinely see them copulating in the water bowl at 55 degrees. And then wow. they still, yeah, the males won't eat. They go on a breeding fast. Mm-hmm. And um, another, I'm a big proponent. The one thing I read in this article that I disagree with is with all my snakes, all my boas, my emeralds and my, my centinia is, um, and I did it with the black, um, the, the barnack scrubs too. Whenever they're done copulating, I pull the male for two or three days, then put them back okay. in. Because I think personally, when you pull the male and you separate them for three or four days and you put them back in, they react like they've never seen that female before. And they go right back to work. With the Tanzania, yeah. with my emeralds, and with the barnecks especially, when my barnecks were done copulating, they, they'd separate like a boxing match and go to their separate corners, and they wouldn't even look at each other for days on end. Right. If I pull, pull them for two or three days and put them back in, they were locked up again within an hour. Yeah, so I think, I'd agree. I think, you know, separation breeds vigor with, with these guys. Mm-hmm. And um, Plus, I, I, I think sometimes the females just need a break because, you know, there's always going to always going to be that one male that just never stops and just works <laughs> them and works them and works them. And um, I, I, everyone, well, you, you hear a lot of times of guys that, that, are, that are breeding snakes for the first time and the female rolls on them for no reason. Yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think it's the stress of just being constant. If, you, if you're in the wild, the snake has a chance to get away from it. Sure. Yeah, at, least, mm-hmm. at, at least move away. And the other thing I've started doing, and um, I'm probably going way off topic, but I think it's really germane to anyone that's breeding snakes, is um, there was an article written a while back about the eradication efforts to try to get the brown tree snake off of Guam, off the island of Guam, that, that boiga that's just taken over Guam and, you know, it has no natural predators and it's just devastating the natural uh, fauna on the island. And they made a discovery that the female brown tree snakes don't begin to cycle until the presence of a male is detected. Okay. And I I started thinking about all the times in the field where I've come across like a big female western diamondback rattlesnake in early spring, like chilling out under a creosote bush. And if you walk concentric circles around, emanating away out from her, every time you'll find two or three males just sitting there waiting. Just just hanging out. They know when the... you know, with the pheromones, they know when the time is right to pounce. But in the meantime, you know, they're just they're just waiting. So what I started to do, what I started to do two years ago is, at early on in my temperature and light cycle manipulation, I'll pop a male in, just for about twenty minutes, and then pull him out. Okay. Just kind of just just to stir things up a little bit. Right. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that <clears> with <throat> all my stuff and. Um, Another thing I'm going to start doing that I know some of the guys, and I picked this up from some of the guys that are breeding diamond pythons, is maybe starting to cycle young adults a year or so before they're even ready to breed to get them mm-hmm. cycled into cycling. Yeah, I've never do that. done that. Yeah, okay. Well, I, you know, how's that work for you? I'm very intrigued well, by that idea. 
Oh, well, I, I personally haven't read them yet, but talking to a lot of the different uh, Diamond guys, uh, you know, that so basically I figured I'd start cycling them. I, I've started since I've had them, so they go through that same okay. cycle. So it, I, I figured it, like, well, tr- they'll almost go into the rhythm uh, by the time they're adults without me really having to do anything. You know what I mean? I, right, I would think right. that they would know that, like, just like in the wild, oh, Trigger, it's time to go. Yep. So, I like that idea. I'm, Interesting. You know, I, I, I have to make a confession. I do have one pair of egg layer, layers. I do have a pair of black-headed pythons. Because they, <laughs> they were my, nice. they were, they're one of my holy grail snakes. And um, to give you an idea of the value of uh, Sanzinia, I had a, quote, extra male green Sanzinia. Uh-huh. And a guy, traded, a guy traded me a pair of blackheads for it. Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I understand. Because, because he, he had lost his male and he had a female and he, he was, you know, he wasn't going to give up that female. So, you know, I was just yeah. joking around. And I said, you know, he wanted to do a breeding loan and I was, he's a buddy of mine. And I, I was just joking around and I, I sent him an email saying, well, hell, dude, why don't you just send me a pair of blackheads and I'll send you this male. And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. All right then. <laughs> but but I you know I have I have um I've picked up a lot of Sanzinia from guys who just got frustrated because they're one of the hornier snakes out there. So you can put them together and the males get a breed, and right. people just uh, walk away. People just walk away thinking, "Hoo-hoo, you know, here we go," and then nothing happens. Right. You know, and I can see uh, that being frustrating. You know, and, and there's always that. There's always that guy out there who does nothing, never did anything, and he gets a pile of babies. <laughs> I've never been that guy. Uh, right. Me neither. I've never been that. You know, I, I, I will say, you know, the tiger rat snakes, I've bred the Spilotis pilatus for a few years because they were, you know, supposed to be tough to breed in captivity. And for me, I, I got plenty of eggs, but I, I got to be honest, it was never from anything that I did manipulation-wise. They just decided to lay eggs when they were ready to lay eggs. Right. Ah. All so right. you know they they did humble me. That's for damn sure. They you know they humbled me. I mean, <laughs> there was a couple of times when I I literally found desiccated eggs behind the water bowl, and I didn't even know the snake was pregnant. Oh. That's bad. Oh. Yeah. 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 That's a killer. That's that's a killer. tricky. Yeah. No, that's not good. Give me some sign. <laughs> I prefer the Tanzania. They're like it's black now. Clearly, I'm <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> and, and not, not not just black. I mean, they they get so distended, you can see the white skin between the scales. See that? Oh, okay. I, I prefer that. Yeah. It's like okay, next step. But, you know, but, yeah, you but, know. but the first the first the first sign is is that you know that uh, melanistic phase they go through when they're when they're thermoregulating, when they're grabbing. Then, then then it's just a matter of waiting. You know, they just <laughs> and I don't breed any of my boas back-to-back years. I always give them okay. a year off. And uh, I know guys have tried to breed. Um, send. It's, I mean, you got a snake that's not eating for nine months. It's really hard on them. Even though, mm-hmm. even though Sanzinia come out of giving birth, they look fabulous. I mean, it doesn't look like it set them back at all. But I know the few guys that have actually gotten females to, quote, give birth two years in a row, they pretty much just get all slugs. So now you just kick yourself back another year. Right. You wasted, yeah. you know, I mean, you wasted that one year. Now you got, you know, if, if you have any conscience at all, you got to wait another year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, quietly, I think I have, um, 
think I have 12 Mandarin Sanzinia and seven greens right now. Wow. And um, they're all sighties, like I said, and it's interesting because nothing's really been done. And this is the the part that I just, same with the Northern Emeralds. Everyone wants to breed the Amazon basins and hardly anyone's breeding the Northern Emeralds is, but nothing's really been done. There hasn't been enough babies produced to hold stuff back, to start, you know, a little line breeding, you know, maybe father back to daughter one time, sister to brother one time, and then breeding out. But breeding for desired traits, high yellow, sure. um, all these things, because the babies have been so far and few in, in between. I mean, I have a hard time even getting guys that have litters just to swap babies with me, just to trade genetics. It's like, come on, dude. Trade <laughs> me a male, you know, just trade me a male. For, um, because what really what really frustrates me is how, because none of them have been legally imported, I think in at least 25 years. And okay, uh, really, yeah. So, and of them, very few obviously were successfully bred. So we're not looking at the biggest gene pool in the world. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of them that are languishing in zoos and or private collections, either lone animals or, you know, guys just that don't know what they're doing or just, haven't bothered to try, you know, we just personally, I take it personal that every one of these things that's in the population needs to have a chance to get bred. Just to play, you know, I've got, I've got a hypo Mandarin and I've got a completely melanistic female, even though she's not gravid, she's just about all black. And they come in every color in between. Huh. And it's just, it's just a matter of, of, um, you know, getting more of them out there. They're, they're one of those species of snakes that can really ruin you once you get a hold of it. You know, if you've been, like you guys have obviously been in this hobby long enough, you know, sometimes it's hard to get really excited. Yeah, you yeah. know, you see some stuff and it's kind of cool and been there, done that kind of thing. But, you know, I walk out there at night and, and, I mean, you open up that cage with your tongs and a mouse and these things are just get the hell out of the way, ready to eat. And then, you know, I'm, I only bred one female this year and, uh, of the mandarins, and uh, okay. but next year I've got I think I'm going to have four going through. La- last year I had two litters of emeralds and a litter of mandarins all drop in the same week, and so it was 17 emeralds and 10 Tanzania. And I I was with all my traveling, it was a little overwhelming for me. I wish you know I I didn't have the time to really appreciate everything right. I had at that time, and um, I was upgrading the the heating and air conditioning and insulation in the building. So I actually sold more than I wanted to because I, I, I really do endeavor to try to keep it self-sufficient if I can, just to cover my costs. Sure. And, you know, not, not infringe on the household economics, which is not a problem if I do, but I just, I like to feel like I, uh, that the, I at least pay for, pay for themselves. That's it. And, you know, the, the, um, you know, pricing, I guess we should talk about pricing on Tanzania. When I started buying them, they were about 400 bucks for the mandarins. Now the mandarins are, are 800 and up, and the greens, if anyone's willing to get rid of any, are about 1200 and up. Okay. So, you know, they're not, they're, not, they're not the cheapest states on the planet, that's for sure. But um, right. they live they – live 25 to 30 years. They breed well well past the age of 20. They start breeding at probably four. I don't try to start breeding. I've got some that are going to go next year that are coming on four years old. They'll be ready. Okay. Um, I 
back to that benign neglect thing, I don't power feed at all. I probably underfeed it, if anything. Uh, I'm in no hurry to rush anything to maturity. Right. Um, and I just, you know, I've got uh, a group of Madagascan ground boas, not the doomerals, but the ground boas. And my adults, I probably feed my adults seven times a year. That's it. Oh wow! All, yeah, okay. Now, they, now they're eating double XL rats. They're they're both you know well all four of them are over. They're pushing nine feet, which is and um, I they just you know they're a, they're a sit and wait ambush predator. They don't move much, so <laughs> they don't they don't need a lot of food. They just don't. And with emeralds, of course, emeralds you don't want to overfeed because then you're you're pushing into the regurgitation thing. And you know I'm I'm a big uh, advocate of for northern emerald tree boas because I think um, it's surprising how much easier they are. And this will surprise you guys, I'll bet, but how much easier they are than chondros are. And they have really? such a bad reputation. Oh yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. They are. They are. They are. And now the problem is, and the bad rap with the northern emeralds is the glut of fresh imports that come into the market every year right. and all, all the related problems that they have. And, and I've had more than one imported emerald break my heart when they get this regurgitation syndrome that pretty much everyone is convinced is a coccidial type infection, but they're not okay. really for sure. But once they start puking, um, unless you put them in the freezer, it's about a six or seven or eight month slow death. And it's horrible to witness because they just can't hold it. You know, they just can't hold anything down. But if you get true captive bred, U.S. captive bred northern emerald tree boas, they are easy as hell. Wow. Really? They're, they're, born, they're born way bigger than chondros, way bigger. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, to where, you know, a pinky is almost too small for a newborn emerald. Kind of right on the border, you know, right on the border. But... Um, they're less sensitive to temperature extremes. They're less sensitive to humidity. They, the biggest mistake people make with emeralds is keeping them like a chondro because they, they don't like being that hot. They don't like being that wet. You know, 82, 83 degrees, 40, 50% humidity, and they're perfectly happy. That's not difficult at all. I mean, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And again, they're, you know, the other thing about emeralds is. They're just as mean as a chondro, but they're a lot more retarded in their strikes. They don't have the accuracy that a chondro has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Many, I guess that's good. Times, those yeah. emerald teeth are big, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> some pictures no, that. Uh... There's no snake on the planet that overall has big – emeralds have the biggest teeth overall of any species of snake. Okay. Maybe, yeah, I would, uh, all, I would believe that. All of their teeth are easily – all of them are easily as big as a – Rattlesnake, a big rattlesnake's fangs. I've got wow. a, I've got a seven foot female that's gravid right now, and uh, if she bit my, if she bit my my forearm, she could probably bite, literally, almost bite clean through my arm. That's how big Whoa. her head is. Holy Brutal. shit! <laughs> but have you ever been bit? No, no, no. not okay. by animals. Wow. Never have. And okay. um, the babies, if you you know. They, I had 17 last year, and they are really docile. And uh, they, if you get them young, they, they can, I would never trust one because I would never want to get bit by one. But they're right. really easy to work with because they're they're just very slow. <laughs> they're just a very slow snake. <laughs> you know, I've, been, 
I've reached into a chondro cage thinking I was well out of range and, and learned the hard way that there, there's no such thing as being out of their range. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they can come across a three-foot cage diagonally when you're trying to move a water bowl from the other corner and they hit you. And they're fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Emerald, emeralds, they just kind of, you know, during the day you can do anything you want to in your cage. You can tap them. You know, whenever I need to do anything with them, I just reach in and gently grab them behind the head and, and pull them off the perch. Then they wake okay. up. And when they wake up, it's a different story because they can literally, their lower jaw, all snakes do it, but they will literally, they can, they can split their jaw and work either side independently trying to hook you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really dicey. It's really dicey. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets real interesting real fast. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, you got, that's the closest thing I have to dealing with, like, pots. You okay. Know, um, but I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm yammering here, and I don't know how... how no, no, you're good, you're fine. Uh, um, well, but what questions do you have? I mean, it's, I know I, I was listening in that, you know, most of you guys are just maybe just, just peripherally even aware that Sandinia exists. Yeah, well, I've never, I think I've seen one in person, and that's pretty much it. Like you said, they're kind of pretty rare at reptile shows, but I have been seeing more posts of them. I know there are a few people getting uh, litter here and there, but I've never actually, like, I had personal interactions with one, so right. uh, that's where I have on it, so and I'm pretty sure Eric's yeah. the same way. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't. I know a couple people that have, I think, uh, maybe a pair, maybe a single one, but, uh, you know, I know, I know some people that have kept them in the past, but I don't know anybody that's bred them, and um, it's kind of difficult to find information, you know, like when I was trying to research for the show, not knowing anything about them, um, you're right. There's not a ton of info out there. You know, I was curious, yep. you, you were talking about um, uh, taking the mail out and then putting the mail back in after three days. Is there a certain amount of like locks that you look for before you think that she's good to go or? No, that's a good question. No, not really. I just, it, it's really just, I just try to cover my ass. And, okay. You know, yeah. um, you know, I start cooling them probably by about week three into that cooling period when they're just, the lows are getting like below, probably right at, you know, 60, 62, I start putting the mail in. Right. And, um, you know, typically, typically they're locked up. Oh, another thing, you don't need multiple mails. You don't need to combat the mails. I've done it just, just to see what would happen. And it's kind of fun because mm-hmm. all they do is sumo wrestle. There's no biting. There's no danger to each other. It's just a, when you see like Western Diamondback, Males, there was yeah, videos uh-huh. of them. Uh-huh. They do the yeah. same. They do. The, they do the same thing, just on a. It's not quite so graceful. They're just slamming each other all over the place. Now, one thing I find interesting, and this is, this has been replicated by, a guy who bought some from me, is I put, at, a few years back, all I had was one pair of each. Uh-huh. So I put all I put all four of them in a big four foot cage just to see what would happen. And every time the the green female would go right after the Mandarin male and try to kill him. It was okay. not not bite him, just constrict him so hard that I mean it took all I could to un, untwine them. And huh. she did this. She did this more than one year. I, I you know I just I'll try it again and see what happens. And then I mentioned that to a guy who had bought a pair of mandarins from me on the east coast. And 
he had greens as well, so he tried the same thing to see, and his green female did the same thing, which tells me there's probably what? not a whole lot of in- interaction between the two subspecies on, on the island. Mm-hmm. Very okay. strange. But back to your question, though, I wait usually usually within 24 hours, and when they lock up, they lock up for hours. So okay. um, I just see a good lock, and then, you know, and like I said, I'm gone three or four days a week, pretty much week in, week out. So when I come home, if they're not locked up, I'll pull him for a couple of days. And before I leave town or if I have four or five hours before i got to head out, I'll put them back together, and they're usually locked up again. And so what I do is I like to get them locked up. And the same thing with my emeralds. I even like to get a lock up after I see the female ovulate just for the hell of it. Okay. Yeah. I figure i got nothing to lose, you know. If it's, if it's wasted, it's wasted, but... I just try to – it's really just a matter of cover. You know, you only get one shot a year, so you try to cover your ass as much as you can. Sure. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but um, I would recommend that you guys check out the uh, Sanzidia Madagascariensis group on Facebook, and you'll see some really phenomenal pictures. Some, okay. That would be awesome. There's a lot more of them in Europe with their porous borders – I, I'm pretty sure a lot are still smuggled into, if I had to guess, either through Paris or through France into Europe or through Russia into Europe. And no. um, it's unfortunate. Well, it, the other thing is it makes no sense is their CITES protection. They got the yeah. highest CITES protection. But yet you read, if you open up the CITES page on the species, down below it says in the body, in the narrative, species of least concern. Well, I'm thinking, well, how the fuck can you have it both ways? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, and then every, everyone that I know that has been to Madagascar, the snakes are everywhere. You, right. species, you know, the big concern is deforestation, obviously, and the, and the conversion of forest to of the, the palm oil plantations and the farms. And these are one of, the, one of the species that are just saying, thank you very much, and they're moving right in. Mm. You know, they they huh. find them in the roofs of how they you know they they they're completely acclimated to human habitation. They have no they love barns. They love rafters because with people come rodents and they're moving right, right. in. And you know it, it's um I'll tell you a really cool story. I um had these white speckled rattlesnakes. They're they come from one mountain range down in uh, southwest Arizona only, and they're literally they literally they're they're as white as a porcelain ashtray. They're gorgeous. Wow. But, the, but they're not my thing, and, um, but I bred them. <laughs> and, huh. okay, now, now what do I do with them? Well, I just happened to luck into a guy who works on the East Coast for a zoo, and Fishing Game had confiscated a male green Tanzania from a shipment and gave it to the zoo this guy worked at. And it bred their, fe- their resident female, and I guess she had like six, I want to say six babies. And I guess zoos have one of these intra-zoo web sites where you can post surplus animals available. Yes. And yep. zoos can claim them or put it, you know, whatever they do to, you know, yeah, we'd like to have some of those for our shop. Well, no one did. So they ended up giving the babies to the keepers. Well, it just turns out, it uh. just turns out that, that this kid has a thing for crotalus. No, okay. <laughs> so, so he he traded me my pair of specs for his little pair of green sensei. <laughs> as far as I'm con- 
that was my drop the mic, walk off the stage moment. That was my walk off train forever. <laughs> That's why I did this. Yeah, that worked that well. Well, you know, um, it's like a, a buddy of mine said. He said, "Billy, you're the only guy I know who can step in shit right after the cow just ate a bowl full of gold." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that uh, one. That was good. You know, I I, I um, picked up a fe- I picked up a female Sanzinia virgin captive bred in Reno, Nevada, for like three hundred bucks. This guy was just I found it on Craigslist. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Alright, that's like the ultimate Craigslist find so far that I've well, ever heard of, but that's awesome. That's one A and, and one B is same town Reno, my almost yeah. seven foot my almost now seven foot gravid emerald tree boa I bought from a guy up there for three hundred bucks. Probably a fifty year old fifty year old dude. He'd had the snake since it was a baby. He had a new girlfriend and she said the snake's gotta go. So I drove up from wow. Vegas to Re- Reno in the blizzard picked up the snake, and when I drove off, I said to myself, I said, dude, I would have gotten a new girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, snake's been here longer. What the hell? I, mean, I, 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 I can't tell you, I can't tell you how spectacular this monstrous female emerald is. I mean, just if I give her a retired breeder-sized mouse, and she yeah. grabs that mouse, she grabs that mouse, you can't even see the mouse. It's gone. Oh, my God. So I, I I really don't know what to expect because this is a this is a virgin snake. This is her first litter, but she's seven feet long. So am I going to get a bunch of slugs like a, like young females, or am I going to get a nice big giant healthy litter of full term babies? I don't know. Tons of babies. Right. I, I hope I tons it, of babies. I, I put some pictures up. I mean, she's so gravid. I mean, when she's she's perched on the perch now, but she's so swollen you can't even see the perch underneath her anymore. And it's like, <laughs> oh my it's, God. it's like it's like one inch PVC. So I'm wow. really last last year, um, like I said, I was plowing money back into the building, so I was I sold my production. And uh, guys, I had no idea what a feeding. I posted these baby emeralds up on some of the Facebook groups, and I was sold out in two hours. Really? What? Yes. And listen, I even reached out to a guy who's pretty well known in the Emerald Groups, and I said, I didn't even know. I didn't even know where to set a price point. I'm yeah. thinking five hundred. I'm thinking like five hundred bucks. He's like, I don't know. He goes, he goes, put, throw, he goes, put it out there for six hundred and see what happens. They went for like eight fifty. Guys, were, guys were bidding against each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good spot to be. Wow. In for sure, right? I was I was absolutely blown I was un, I was blown away. It was unreal. The demand some you know some sometimes it's just a matter of um you know things are always shifting in this hobby as always as we all know, you know, yeah. and I think I think a lot of the um the people that may have gotten sidetracked with the ball python thing that maybe they're coming back to their their true selves and their true passions. And saying, you know, right. I'm going to slow down and, and get some, you know, maybe I'll just get some stuff that I've always wanted to play with. I've always wanted to work with. Right. And, you know, yeah. a, a, a lot of people, you know, like the arboreal stuff. There's no doubt about it. I know I do. I mean. Yeah. It's you cool. To, I know you, if you want to, you can set the cage up as Spartan as, as, like back to the Sanzinia. They don't need perches. You can put them in there and they may use them, but they don't need them. You can put a hide in there and they might use it. They might not. They don't care. 
And I'll tell you what, if, if you take them out, even people that don't really like snakes will go, no, that's, that's a really cool looking animal. I got to admit. And we all have tons of those friends in our lives. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, lots of them. You know, people ask me, you know, what does your wife think about them? And I said, you know, she doesn't care. She goes, if they're important to him, that's okay with me. Right. And, you know, I'm, I, I like having my own separate building because it's the one thing I have on this planet that no one gets to come in and criticize me about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, going into your snake room, well, I have a room, not a building. Yeah, room. Maybe yeah, one, building, maybe yeah. one day, but uh, I'm with you, man. It's like your well, own little just, spot, you know? In our in our old house, we had a three-car garage, and I walled in the third, the single-car part, and that was my little man cave. And it was right – we had a pantry out in the garage, and one day my wife said, you know, I think your snake room smells. <laughs> and I just looked at her. I just looked at her and said, well, don't go in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Problem guys, solved. <laughs> I, I got to set the template, though. My, my wife just retired after 30 years at the Las Vegas Police Department as a lieutenant. So she's okay. not like wow. a little – She's not like her. a little wilting. Yeah, she's not like a little wilting flower. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But you know, every, every other aspect of my life is open to criticism and whatever. But not that. You know, right. mm-hmm. I think. You know, I'm not one of these. Um, my 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 snake building seems like it's always in some degree of disarray or reconstruction or or setting this up or tearing this down kind of thing. And it, it's never going to be one of like those German guys you see on some of the groups that have these hermetically sealed vacuum packed snake rooms. <laughs> it's you all know, perfect. I, yeah, no. Oh, dude, I, I mean, I would love to be that guy, but I just think genetically I'm just, I'm just incapable of ever, ever, ever getting to that point. Right. I, I, you know, I mean, I, just to give you an idea, I, um, someone mentioned, you know, I, I do have a, a pair of rhino rat snakes I've got nice. a loxacemus. I've got a loxacemus, the Mexican burrowing python. Oh, cool! Um, I've got uh, the, my, my holy grail herping wise with the western green rat snakes, the Senecolis triastus from southern Arizona. I've got a great big collection of those because I collected all the breeders myself, and I've wanted to have one since I was eight years old. And I found that's one. cool. Wow, that and, is cool. Uh, I've got a, a breeding group of Solomon Island tree boas, which are in my humble opinion, probably the most underrated arboreal boa on the planet. They are the coolest things in sliced bread. That's worth another phone call right there. They're, they're, the, they're coming in, and they're still relatively cheap, and they are the most – they change colors like a chameleon, and they're docile. They never bite. They never shit. You open up the cage, they'll come slowly out and just crawl right on your hand and eat right off your fingers. They are really? That's, a, that's uh, awesome. The, the females – the females get about five foot. The males, the males may may reach two feet, and the males never get any bigger round than a number two pencil. Just cool shit. I would, yeah. I, would I would suggest you look up the Solomon Island tree boas. They they are they're really something else. I they're just cool as shit. The only the only thing that deters me from getting more is the fact that they really don't like to drink from water bottles. They want to be sprayed. They drink. Okay. Uh, they drink heavily from the leaves, so it's a little bit more work than than I have the time for. But I I did put some of those elevated water bowls, off, you know, bolted to the sides of the cage up high, and um, I've never seen any signs of them being dehydrated or anything like that. But aside from that, they're another one of those boas that you can just keep at room temperature and they don't care. They don't need any special, and they're a whole lot cheaper than Sanzinia or Emeralds. 
I think you can. <laughs> and you know, I and think, the ones well, I have, the ones I have yeah. are all imports. And I'm and now I have all my own meds. I've got and I can treat for all my all parasites. All I know, I've got a pretty pretty vast um, pharmacopoeia out there for for my animals, and um, I've never even bothered to treat them for parasites. They're really? Yeah. Nope, they're absolutely fine. I, mean, I got them for like 45 bucks a piece. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, you oh. can find them at shows 50, 60 bucks, and they're cool as shit. They're still being imported, so but what's going to happen is the door's going to shut on all this stuff one of these days on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We all know it's coming. I mean, that's why yeah. I've just been, I, um, I think I'm up to probably about 22 northern emeralds I got right now, 22 boas. But I've got, you know, I've got the anaconda phase. I've got uh, the patternless phase. And then there's the two big countries. They come from Suriname and Guyana. And okay. the rest are mm-hmm. all. But that's another species. You no, know, there's a lot of guys breeding the Amazon basin, you know, the $3,500 to $5,000 snakes. Sure. Right. And, I, I've all, I've always, and they're spectacular. Don't get me wrong. They're absolutely spectacular. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, for, for $2,000, I can buy four of these. Right. As opposed to one of those. And no one, no one has been breeding them enough to even know what kind of morphs are out there? What kind of cool things are just latently sitting there waiting for someone to probably won't be me, but you know, someone's going to pop an albino out of one of these things and he's going to run off to the sunset. Like the first <laughs> yeah. albino ball python. Yeah. That, you know, I, that, that's not my motivation, but I mean, when you, when you get the, you know, what I really want to do, my goal with the, with the ones I've bought in over the last couple of years is, um, you know, the might phase high black chondros that are out there that I think are just, Spectacular. Well, they're, that's what I'm trying to breed for with the emeralds. I want to end up with like a black-backed emerald, a black-backed emerald someday. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean there there are pictures of some that are pretty damn close. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know, but they're all they're all pictures of like animals that have long since died. Man. You know, and I just I, I want to see you know what. What can happen if we do this? What, and so, but the other thing is, like with the Sanzinia, they've always been high because the border's been closed for so long. You know, emeralds are still coming in by the hundreds every year. And unless you really, really, really know what you're doing, it's a total crapshoot whether or not that snake's going to make it or not. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. But one of these days, all these animals are going to stop being imported. So yeah. With, you know, and demand is at an all-time high. It really, really is. And the other thing, uh, I'm, I'm, and this is just a personal thing, it's just I, I, I stay away from the species where people are getting really, really, really se- seriously locality specific. Right. Uh, and because on a lot of these imported animals, you really can't get that specific because locality just happens to be where the exporter lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially with a lot yeah. of the chondros. They, they can guesstimate a different a locality of chondro, and they can somewhat extrapolate what they think it is. But, you know, if this guy's hiring 50 different guys to go out from a certain town to collect for him, he has no idea how far they're ranging, how far they're going before they come back with a sack of snakes for sale. Right. Right. So it's kind of all you got to – it's whatever you can gauge it as. Also, wasn't there confusion with the chondros over a locality and – 
It's on an island that is just having to be the airport they were shipped out of, not necessarily yep. where they were taken. Kind of, yeah, exactly. so it's, you know, but, I could definitely see but, that. But it's, it's well, someone will say, well, you know, that's a gorgeous snake, but, you know, if, if you can't tell me exactly where it came from, I'm not interested in it. Right. It's silly. It's, it's yeah. like when I, when I bring guys out in the field and I try to do my best to show them what they, they really, really, really want to see, what's high on their bucket list, and, and we find it. And for me, the magic is that moment when you see it in the wild. But now it seems like, eh, that's kind of cool. The real magic for them is how do I get the perfect picture now to rush mm-hmm. down to Facebook? To get it on the stage. <laughs> right. And that's, yeah, how, like, do I, dude, how do I Instagram this? So. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're missing the point. You, you know, you, one guy wanted to set up a tripod on the road. And when you're, when you're, you're hunting... <laughs> in the road. <laughs> when, you're, when you're hunting western green rat snakes, you literally only have about an hour's window out of the day to find them. Wow. So you gotta, you, you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. And this guy's like, well, I don't know if I have the right shutter speed and exposure for this picture. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I See, at that point, it's like I post a blurry picture and be like, hey, whatever. I, I, I got to see it. I don't care. But, exactly. you know, Christ, does it really matter? But I don't know. I Some can, people I, are I, weird I, like that. You know, I couldn't tell you where I left my keys 10 minutes ago, but I can regurgitate in my mind <laughs> every, one, every one of those things I found. No doubt about well, it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm getting way off topic, but. You know, ask no, me no, some questions. No, no, it's fine. Questions. We enjoy these what, topics. What are right, you guys? Well, um, how about? Well, we'll go back to this. Um, set up for baby Sanzinia. So obviously, you get the little ones. You know, how do you set them up, and how do you go about getting them to feed? Is there some tricks or tips? And what do they like to eat right out of the mom? Um, I set them up in critter keeper racks. Well, it's a rack. Okay. They're free, free hanging racks that use the critter keepers, and I just use a uh, soldering iron to melt holes in the side and I run a, just make a little grid of dowel out of dowel, wooden dowels, mm-hmm. you know, two, two lengthwise, two crosswise, four inch water cup on the bottom. And they all start out like I, um, they all start out on live, live hoppers by the time they're seven days old, throw a live hopper in there, they slam it and they never look back. They're the easiest snake. I've never, never had one. Not I never had one go eight days without eating. The first wow. day, and I'm talk I'm talking eight days from being born, because they shed. I've I've had them shedding. The first ones out were shedding before the rest of the litter was even born. Really? Crazy. Yes. That fast? Wow. I mean, it's like they're barely dry from the embryonic fluid of the, from the sac, and they're shedding, and they're. They're super mean. They're like little. They're just meaner than fuck when they're babies. <laughs> they're like a bearded dragon. I, mean, I don't. I, I bred bearded dragons when my boys were younger, so they could get involved. You know, and a, right. a newborn bearded dragon will sit there with its mouth open and, and jump at you. And but it, but it doesn't it doesn't clamp down. They, they they can draw blood, but it's it's just a bluff. That's all it is. Okay. They they just react to everything as a potential predator. Right. And then you know by. Um, now I will say up until three months ago I've never had a, an adult Sanzini ever try to bite me out of anger, fear defensiveness the only times I've ever been tagged is when it was a feeding response and, and they got me instead of what I was trying to you know I just wasn't paying attention but um, right. I, I did I did get 
another seven-foot behemoth of a female in from a guy back east who was frustrated. He never got anything out of him. And this thing is evil, 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 evil. <laughs> and I, I felt really bad because my, my, my best friend was out from Ohio when they came in, and I was unboxing it, and I just pulled her out of the bag, and I said, here, dude, hold this for me for a sec while I do something. And she absolutely tore his arm up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just wasn't – it, it didn't even dawn on me that an adult could even be aggressive. Now – the, the flip side of that is this thing has not said for me now in two and a half months. And when I do try to offer, when I do try to offer her food, all she does is kind of like bluff strike it, like get it out of my face. Right. And, and so I, I, I messaged the guy today and I said, you didn't happen to have her with a male anytime. He goes, yeah, I had her. I had a male in with her for about four weeks. Uh, oh, Oh no! And she's huh. she's opaque right now. She's opaque right now, and uh, it may just be that maybe after she said she'll eat, but if she comes out of this shed dark, I got me a seven foot gravis female. <laughs> oh jeez! Uh. And I know I think the record the record litter in the U.S. is like twenty three, twenty four babies in a litter. Well, that'll so, get shattered. Yeah. No, I would I would just disconnect I would just disconnect my phone and book book the longest trip to Costa Rica that those babies would pay for. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd, it'd be like, well, that only only after I get the Wi-Fi thermostat set up out there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's that's real, right. You that's, lost that's, your you lost your college kid. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, it, the nice thing in, in Nevada, I, I don't know if you guys are old enough or not, but um, years ago the United States sued Big Tobacco and they, they got a multi-multi-billion, you know, the states got a multi-multi-billion dollar judgment against against like R.J. Reynolds and all these other big, whatever, the, I don't know, you know, all the other big tobacco companies. Anyhow, Nevada took, and they divided it up between the 50 states. And Nevada mm -hmm. was really, really smart. They took all that money and, put it in a trust fund and it's called the millennium scholarship and all graduating seniors uh, get 10 grand if they stay in state. Wow. Yes. Yeah. The only thing as, as, as the years have gone on and the, and the, the fund has shrunk, they've just raised the GPA qualified. Mm. You know, I think when it's, I think okay. when it started out, you only had to have like a 2.8. It's like, that's nothing. So uh, I think now it's like a 3.25. And if you stay in state, they pay um, eighty bucks a credit hour until you hit ten thousand dollars. Wow, pretty good deal. Really smart. Really smart yeah. in the state of Nevada. And uh, it's a very good deal. So he he'll actually be he'll actually be operating out of the house. And I told him, look, you know, in six months or so, if you and one of your buddies want to get an apartment, then we'll we'll talk. We'll, I know he wants to get the. I went away for college, and I know how fun that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, my parents didn't, but I, I still remember. <laughs> and uh, I, I'd like for him to have that experience too. But for, for as long as he's going to be here, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to milk his ass. That's for sure. But I, I, <laughs> I'm a work. You know, yeah. <laughs> I have the Wi-Fi thermostat and I have the app. I just need to be able to get signal in this fucking building. 
Right. Maybe yep. on top of your building putting an antenna up or something like that. Crazy. Yeah. And so. you know, when, when we're done with this later on, I'm going to do some more research. I, it seems like what I need to do is just get, you know, dig a trench, mm. run a Ethernet cable from, because my whole house is a smart house, so every every room has an Ethernet port. And, right. And all right, so and just just run an Ethernet cable out there, drill a hole, run it through the building, and stick a modem on the other end. Yeah, it might be the best. It'd probably be annoying to do, but it would get it done, and then you can, uh, don't have to worry about it. Or yeah, because then you know, then I I, I become Mister Techno Wizard and buy all this shit on Amazon. End up spending three hundred bucks, and then it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like the simplest thing is the best. I can go to Home Depot and rent a trencher, and Mm -hmm. you know, for forty bucks for an hour, you know, and then just run PVC pipe and like you would running a sprinkler pipe, and just run the cable through that and cover it up. Yeah, that would probably be my best bet. That's where I would go. I don't know where you guys are located, but um, Vegas is pretty warm in the summer. Yeah, and if I so if I if if I lose my my power out there, I'm gonna lose my collection no. in about six hours. Six hours. Yeah. And maybe That'd seven hours. You know, and uh, I spent I like last year I invested. I don't know if you guys know what mini split air conditioning systems are. The ductless ductless no. air conditioning. Uh-uh. Are they the like, AC heater thing you can kind of get in like hotel rooms or motel rooms or yeah. some crap like yeah. that? Yeah. If you okay. go if you go anywhere south of the border, they have them where you can just cool. They're mounted up on the wall. They got a compressor that's yeah. outside, a dedicated compressor, and and the tubing's about. You got three tubes that are about one inch in diameter. That's all you have going through the wall out to the compressor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, so I've got a one and a half ton compressor outside. I've got two twelve thousand BTU. They're heating and cooling units inside. And you can put it on auto, set the room at 84, and it will toggle between heat and cool to keep it at that temperature. Wow. Yeah. And That's cool. I like that. When I first, when we first moved here last year, we had to do this pretty quick, so I was using those portable air conditioners that had the yeah. big vent hose like a dryer, like a clothes dryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they have yeah. them at my work. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize, but they suck the air. They suck in the air from the room. So huh. when you're when you're when you're walking up to the building you can hear the air hissing through the door jam. And when you like you open up the door it almost sucks and almost pulls it out of your hand. So okay. When you, when you're inside the room you can feel the hot air blowing in around the door. Mm-hmm. And so my electric bill was just astronomical. Right. So so I think I dropped like 1900 bucks to get this this Unit bought and installed, and I've already had like a thirty-eight percent drop in my power bill. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I like that. That, that, and, that was <laughs> and, and and the remote control, and the thing is, it's what they call a oh, I forget the term variable compressor. The compressor never turns okay. off; it just slows down, so okay. you don't have that that hard on, hard off. You know, when the temperature gets like, say, you set it at eighty. 84, when it hits 85, the air coming out just gets a little bit cooler. Okay. Never, never completely. T- so your compressor lasts a lot longer, too. And I can I can set, like, this time of year, I don't need the heat on. I don't need the air conditioning on all night. So I can just set it with the remote control 
like a 12-hour timer. And then just have it turn off. Yeah. So it's very, 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 very cool. Really, really cool thing because, um, you know, with no, no more kids, we have five dogs. That's really the one thing that's keeping us landlocked here in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we, I don't know you guys very well. We have a house in Panama, off the coast on nice. an island. In the, it's off the coast on in the Caribbean. And you know, I'd like at some point to spend four to six months a year down there. That would be nice. Yeah. But that would mean a serious reduction in my collections, and I'm not ready to do that yet. Yes. Right. You know, it is, you know, I snakes have always, you know, people try, I, and you've all been through this. Well, what, what made you get into snakes? I, I can't define it. I don't know. I, there's no yeah. way to quantify that. There's no way. Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I love my bulldogs. They're cool, but I, I don't personify them, and I don't treat them like little human beings. But you know, you know, my snakes. I just I go out there and I can tell you. In, in, I can I can I think I have like, I guess all total probably about sixty snakes out there. And I can do a, I can just do a walkthrough real quick, and I can I know exactly when something's off. Yeah, you know you. Can you know you just know. I, I, actually, you I do. can tell when something's off just by the first nose hit when I walk in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. Find, let's find the smell fade. Yeah, we gotta love that. Yeah. Well, I I had a lot of odds and ends, a lot of, you know, when it gets to the point you open a tub and you go, oh, shit, I forgot about you, then it's time to take <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I forgot I had that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, and, <laughs> I mean, I literally, uh, you know, I, I like the California Mountain King snakes because I collected my own, you know, and they're, and they're, yeah, they're really cool. They're a really cool snake, and, you know, I, I have one left that I promised a guy. Uh, it's three years old, but I still haven't brought it to him yet. <laughs> <laughs> you raised it up for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, better. Exactly. exactly. And, uh, but I, especially like with the Sanzinia and the Emeralds, what's kind of cool about it is it's such a small little fraternity of dudes. Mm. And, and, and from what I'm gathering, most of the other guys – that are Sanzinia dudes are, are kind of dicks. I don't know them personally. I know of them, but they right, they, right. they won't they they won't share anything. And people are always telling me, "Man, you're so nice about you know open about what you do." It's like, well, why not? It's not like it's not like it's um, rocket science or I'm anything special. You know, you know what I? And this really personifies everything for me. If you guys can think back to that Anchorman movie with Will Ferrell. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And the opening scene is a pool is a pool party in his backyard, and he's walking around that horrific bathrobe. And uh, <laughs> he, see, he sees Christina Applegate from across the, the pool, and he he kind of saunters up to her, and he's he's bullshitting with her for a little bit, and he looks at her, and he goes, "You know, I'm kind of a big deal, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, with with my little circle of herping buddies, that that's our tagline, and." and Tagline. It's very tongue in cheek. You know, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in, in, a, in a in a in a pond about the size of a thimble. You know? <laughs> I know a few people it, like that. <laughs> you know, but yeah. in, in the in, in the bigger course of things, does it? I mean, it's not my legacy. You know, my kids are my legacy as far as I'm concerned. Right. This is just something. You know, whether I produce the, you know, fifty of these things next year, is it really going to matter? No. Right. right. You know, I mean, it, it, with the advent of Facebook and stuff and Instagram, 
it is fun to get acknowledgement. Everyone likes to be acknowledged no matter what you do, and it's it's fun. And I, you know, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, there's there's a lot more Sanzinia keepers, especially in Great Britain. There's a lot of them in Great Britain. And uh, here's an interesting note: I didn't realize this. If you have a litter of snakes in like Sanzinia in Great Britain, they've all got to get a um, microchip before you can sell them. Really? Yes. I did not know that. I didn't know that they've all got to be. There. What? Chip. What's the reason in behind that? Control. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, auspiciously or ostensibly rather to uh, prevent incursion of smuggled animals, right? Sure. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, that, that's, people say, why don't you, you know, why don't you keep healers? Why don't you do this and that? Because, you know, what, if you've got to register, even if you're legal, oh, as soon as you register, you're on somebody's list. Yeah. Forever. And I just, right. don't don't want to be that guy. I do have uh uh I, I don't mean to cut you off, but uh I did no, get a couple questions about um the Solomon Island tree boas. Uh our good friend uh Rob Stone, he keeps them and he has well, he has a few questions. Um <laughs> Uh, I would ask if he keeps them in groups or in pairs. Um, they seem very communal snakes. I had luck keeping them individual. Um, what color phases they have uh, through the uh, through the fire up and down like crested geckos, I guess. That's what you were saying. They change colors. Type of deal. Yeah, I got a. Tr- I have a trio that I keep together all the time. All the time. Really. Okay. Um, yeah, when I first got him, the male wouldn't feed, and I assumed that it was maybe because he was the proximity of females, and maybe he was just preoccupied. So I I pulled him for about six months. Okay. Um, but I eventually put him back. Uh, he's see, I, so I've got a probably about a four foot uh, brick red female, um, maybe a three foot kind of tangerine orange female, and then okay. I, uh, and then a jet black, you know, if you see those, uh, what do they call Halloween Amazon tree yep. boas, it's kind of like, uh-huh. right, yeah. that's what the, the male looks like. He's got a, he's jet black with kind of a reddish diamondy kind of pattern down his back. Okay. That's cool. And um, I, I keep him in it. It's really one of the few cages that I have a lot of, well, all my, all my emeralds, I have a lot of fake greenery in just to break up the um, panoramic just to give them some, I think all snakes appreciate the ability to hide. So I try to give them right. a lot of security. But, but with the, uh, with the Solomon Islands, I've got a giant water bowl on the bottom. They've got orchid bark on the bottom. So it's orchid bark. Humidity in Vegas is a big problem. Maintaining any humidity is a big problem. So um, right. I like the or- orchid bark. Or I can't afford, you can't get cypress mulch here in, in enough, you know, it's just too expensive. So not, and I use that cocoa husk. But it's not the super fine cocoa husk. It's ground up into bigger chunks. Okay. And, and um, then I have the one water bowl bolted to the side up high. Heat everything I use. All I use is radiant heat panels, and I have uh, manzanita wood that I have shellacked, waterproof with shellac. Just I mean, it looks. You can't. You have to look. You have to work real hard to see them in the cage. Okay. Until you open um, the door. Then, you <laughs> then they come out, right? 
but, but yeah. they come out they come out at a snail's pace. They're very slow, very deliberate, and they eat like crazy. They're just that's awesome. So I just I just put I'll I'll, I'll get I'll give each one a mouse, then I'll put like four more, just place randomly throughout the cage. Uh huh. They don't fight over them. They don't squabble. I always come back and check whenever I do that. Somebody eating something and then continue to eat what's on the other end, kind of thing. But they're they are they are just severely underrated in my book. I, for for seventy five bucks, you get a really, <laughs> you get a, you know I mean you get a really cool cryptic looking. They they're they're really prehistoric looking if you pick them up and look in their face, and but they're just so placid. They're like a they're like a arboreal rubber boa. That's how placid they are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I know he uh, one of the questions he had. Um, it, well, I know he was trying to breed them, and he thought that this female was gravid, but um, I guess he was asking if you've seen any breeding activity with yours, and he said yeah, that my he big females. To... My oh, big yeah? females gravid now. Okay, that's cool. So but he I, was I saying. Didn't... He thinks the mistake that he made was that um, they hold on to the follicle that like they're just building for a long time, and he thought she was gravid, and apparently she wasn't, uh, and the follicles were just growing. Have you seen something similar, or? Well, you know, Candoya are a really unusual. I have the ground boas too. I have quite a few of the Solomon Island ground boas too, and. Um, I'm kind of afraid of the Solomon Island tree boas, to be honest with you, because I had like a four-foot ground boa give me 21 babies, and two of them, two of them, laid out side by side, weren't as big as a number two pencil in girth. Oh my gosh! Wow. They were like, they were like the size. Of, they were like the size of little garter snakes, baby garter oh. snakes. Okay. Maybe not quite that small, but. A couple things was really interesting is when they were born is their defense mechanism, if you disturb them, is they just go rigid like a stick. You can poke <laughs> them, you can you can poke them, you can prod them, and they. I literally, I thought one was DLA. I put yeah. it up on the shelf. I put it up on one of the shelves. Uh, you know, I'll throw it out later. Came back later. It was ten inches away, but it was still stiff as a board. <laughs> and I think. It, but if you think yeah, about it, so if they're laying in the jungle and something steps on them, if they totally don't rise, they just, the thing yeah. keeps moving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, problem with the babies wow. were that a lot of – I had a I, – again, if I was a, had a nine-to-five job where I could dick around with them, it was hard to get – it was hard to get them on mice. They want lizards. Right. And they're right. – they're, I was going out, which I really hate to do, but I was going out collecting – uh, banded geckos off the road here in Vegas to get these guys started. I can go down to Arizona when I'm working and get the house geckos that are, you know, infesting the U.S. like crazy. Everything. But, right. But in the meantime, these little fuckers were taking banded geckos. I equate it. It would be like it would be like a nine foot anaconda taken down an, an adult capybara. Oh, wow. And they would be, they would. They would choke these things down. Not only would they constrict them and kill them, but they would get them down. It was oh, wow! But wow! Every one of them, it, um, I, I, I literally just gave most of them away. It's like here, just take them. Um, they uh, at about six months. I just didn't feed them for like three weeks to a month. Threw a live pinky in there, bam! They swam them. And they're, okay. they're they um, so I'm, I'm 
I'm kind of afraid when this tree boa gives birth, maybe it's one of those be careful what you ask for scenarios all over. <laughs> right. Um, I will tell your friend with the ground boas, and I this goes with a lot all the candoya, their gestation can be 9 to 12 to 13 months. Okay, yeah, that was his other question, if you knew how long they, it was. Yeah. They'll, it varies. I, I, Not enough work's been done. Uh, my supposition is that they can control when conditions are right. They can probably hold that development in stasis for a while. Okay. Until they think, and like, like suspended animation almost. Right. Yeah. When condition, when conditions are right, they either pop the babies out or the development continues. Wow. Now, you know, not seeing the snake, not knowing the snake, you know, as you guys know, a lot of animals will reabsorb ovum for whatever reason. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. You can pop, you know, you can palpate, you know, that, that happened to me two years in a row with my Madagascar ground bullets, and it was extremely frustrating, but I finally, and if you look at the Madagascar ground bullets, really, if you look at them, they're nothing different than just a super, like a super giant Kedoya. They are the exact okay. same snake as a Solomon. Well, they're all in the same clade of animals that drifted over from South America. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason, there's no real reason why boas should be in, you know, off the coast of Madagascar <laughs> in, in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. You know, you've got life-bearing boas in, in the middle of Asia where they're surrounded by egg-laying pythons. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's just crazy. But, um, so yeah, I, I haven't worked with them long enough to, oh, and as far as changing colors, yeah, they can go from, um, that red female can go from fire engine red to the color of an old old brick of a house within an hour. Really? Wow. Yeah. Is there anything? Is it, is it mood? Is it what, what, what causes the color change? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Honestly, I don't. One thing, again, um, and I started, not hoarding, but I started picking up quite a few of the Candoya, A, because they're pretty easy, except for the little uh-huh. babies. But the, um, the the big thing now, viper boas. Viper boas, used yeah. to be a dime, they used to be a dime a dozen. Right. And they were $40. You couldn't give them away. You know, they're mean, they're pugnacious. Fuck, now they're five, 600 bucks. Everyone wants viper boas. They're not <laughs> around anymore. Yeah, because they're not there anymore. It's like ring pythons. You yep. couldn't give them away, and now they're rare as anything. And like, didn't they're like 800 bucks? It's because they you dropped know, in price. So, yeah. You know, I, I'm a couple here, but I've been dancing around getting some of those for a long time. Uh, the ring pythons. I love them. Yeah. And were, uh, I had some. They were great. i seen a few on the market recently, but another snake that has a reputation for being extremely difficult to breed in captivity are the Papuan pythons, the Apodora papuensis. Yeah. Yeah. The snake eaters. I like them. Yeah, that's. Probably yeah, they eat scrubs, man. They're pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anything that eats a, they eat scrub pythons. That's pretty badass. Yeah, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I, I I like the looks of their heads and their faces. They're they're not they're not an olive python. You know, they're not a water python. They're different. No. Right. And yeah. you know, evidently they're hard to. You know, the one thing I will not try to breed is Boland's pythons because I was going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, if I. If I was going to try to breed Boland's pythons, the first thing I'd do would, would be to buy a house at 6,000 feet elevation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we because go. That's a, that's a good one. It's a good start. Bottom, that's my gut feeling. You have no prayer. 
at, eleva- at sea level or anything below 5,000 feet of getting that, getting them full term. I just don't think it, I, they didn't evolve that way. They evolved to be a high elevation, low oxygen. You know, unless you have a Michael Jackson hyperbaric chamber, chamber. Built in your house, <laughs> you know, there, I just think it's a waste of time. If, if you look at the guys that are getting, was that one dude in Scandinavia has gotten two or three, four clutches out of two females. Frederick. Frederick. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For, for, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I think he lives at pretty substantial elevations. Um, uh, I mean, we never really asked not him. Sure. We've had him on a few times, and that would probably be the only question we didn't ask him was uh, how high above sea level is your house. So but I believe, he just moved, I believe he just <laughs> moved, maybe, and his maybe. house is not at the same. I, I've talked to him about that, and All I right. think he just had, I think his secret is that. Um, he kind of just he works with that one species and he just has it dialed in like he just knows I don't know you know how some he I think he's just one of those guys that you were talking about earlier that you know just puts the snakes Steph together the gold and couch shit. oh is that right <laughs> yeah yeah hey, Steph, he's Steph one of those the gold, gold cow shit yeah because you know how like when you move when you move, sometimes your snakes don't adjust right, and like where you've had success before, and now you know what I mean. So it's like, but regardless, he's he's had success. So, or the um, inverse happens a lot of times. You you move stuff and things that didn't do shit for years, all of a sudden can't can't get enough of each other. Just breed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Chad Chad Brown from Pro Exotics came out to Vegas. We went herping, and he was telling me that you know they'd had this pair of green tree monitors on display in, when he had a store for years mm-hmm. out front, never, never did anything. They got tired of it. They moved them into the back and put something else in the display case. And they bred like crazy ever since. <laughs> all, all it took was a change of scenery. Right. Yeah. But I think if I was, if I was ever going to like get serious about Bolins, I would move somewhere at 5,000 feet and I would, li- I would literally, I would house them outdoors for half the year. Yeah. I really would. That'd be I really good. Would. I think you could do it. You know, I, you know, you could, you could build, I've, I, I thought about it, you know, a rubberized fenced enclosure with a, with a high box below ground. And yeah. um, until it got, until it got really, 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 really cold. Um, you could even do it below ground with a radiant heat panel. Like people do tortoises. Yeah. And, I, I think you know, I, uh, I was going to say, I think the thing uh, now that you're jogging my memory, um, I think the thing with the bone pythons is, that there's no trouble with them breeding, like having breeding activity, but right. I think no, the yeah. thing yeah. is getting the female to ovulate. And yep. I think the secret, well, I don't know if it's the secret, but I think the thing is, is that that female needs to feel secure because if you look in the wild, they're going into like, uh, they're, they're burrowing down into the ground. So I know a lot of people have talked about, um, what was that guy? Uh, what's his name that does the king snakes? Uh, Bob Applegate. You know how he used to have those yep. Uh, yep. like levels drop, in his king snakes? Yep. The drop yeah. door. And I used to have those cages too. Yeah. So like, yep. as long as she gets in there and it's like dark and secure and whatnot, I, I think I think that would push them to ovulate. Well, obviously with some people that has, but um, that's a great yeah. idea. I mean, that I I think you know what they're looking for is like an ant ear burrow. Yeah. 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 Yep. You know, you know, something where they can get up there, and it's like it's like the Bushmasters in Central America. I mean, they've never ever found a neonate Bushmaster or 
a nest, or even an empty egg. Really? That is so weird. It, and, I did not know but, that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're one of the few egg-laying vipers, and, of course, they're spectacular. But They're gorgeous. What the sub- what the supposition is is, is the, the females are going deep underground to lay their eggs, right? And the yeah. babies and the babies just stay subterranean for up to a year and feed fine on all the subterranean rodents coming and going, lizards, whatnot, and they don't emerge until they're big enough to really take care of themselves. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So and the cool. thing is, and the thing I try to do is, I you know you got to just pay attention to your animals. That's the bottom line. Let them mm. tell you what they want. Let them tell you. Amen. You, know, I, you just, we, it's human nature, but we, we try to, up, back in the day, I bred some chameleons just for the kids and stuff, some panthers and some bales. My wife actually liked them. It was kind of fun. And it was back in the day when kingsnake.com would have these chat rooms you could go into. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I mean, so I'd go into, I'd lurk around these chameleon forums or these chats, these chameleon chats. It's like, you know, if you stare at an animal long enough, your brain is going to convince you that something is wrong with it, that something <laughs> needs to be, something right. needs to be tweaked, Change. something needs to be tinkered with. And my, my philosophy is, you know, even, even down to a ball python, just because a snake doesn't shit you or bite you when you hold it, doesn't mean you're not stressing the hell out of it because you are. Right. Right. They, you know, they don't like, it's not natural for them to be held. That's just my philosophy. Of course, you know, half of my collection will eat your face if you open the case. But, <laughs> you know, my black-headed pythons, will, you know, I had one eat my index finger right up to the knuckle before I could even oh, that's blink. One. Yeah. <laughs> they're the craziest snakes of their, they're the craziest snakes in the world. I love that. They I are, have, I, I, they try to eat some. the water. They try to eat the water when I put water in their bowls. That sounds like my white lips. That, my white lips do the same thing. They'll bite the bowl as I'm moving. I'm like, are you serious? It doesn't even look like a rodent. So, yeah. I like the white lips. I had some for a while. I, I had some captive bred babies, and I, I got rid of them, and I, I, I really regret it. I really, I really do like they were They were very, very cool. They're like the colubrid of uh, pythons for sure. Mm-hmm. Really cool snakes. If, you know, if I could do a pair of those, you know, down the road. I've even seen some of the northerns coming in, right? Which are the black ones, the northerns? Uh, the blacks are the southerns, the golds okay. are the northerns. And they're, they're, northerns are definitely coming in, and then they're starting to bring in way more of the blacks, the southerns. But people are starting to get more success with breeding both localities. I know Ryan produced both this year, Ryan Young, and uh, other people are getting some clutches here and there, so... I'm hoping to be one of those people at some point in my damn life. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, first thing I, trying. You know, I, I'm not a proponent of keeping sexes together except for breeds of any species. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not. I just, it's not natural in the wild. Why should it be natural in the cage? Yep. Yep. You know, and plus, plus with, with separation and, and controlled introductions, then, you know, if, then you can actually monitor what's going on and take notes. Yep. You know, like three years ago, I actually started getting a little bit professional and, you know, actually jotted down observations. You know, I have pretty good copulation records for all my stuff now. You know, when I start, when I start cycling, when I, when I paired, um, I really don't do much ever with humidity manipulation. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just a variable. I don't think it's all that. Although, 
my one claim to fame, back to that I'm kind of a big deal quote I said earlier, I was like the first <laughs> guy that, I was the first guy outside, first private breeder to ever breed those Calabar burrowing pythons. Oh, yeah. cool. cool. I like those. Those are, those are cool looking. Yeah. I even had Tra- Tracy Barker called me up out of the blue. I never met her before in my life asking me advice on how to breed them. That was my claim to fame. <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't find any literature on them, so I just researched where they come from, and they pretty much come from the same habitat as ball pythons, except ball pythons being out in the open, and the calabars are kind of like rubber boas here. They're right on the forest edge. Mm-hmm. They're called edge, edge species. Uh-huh. So I, I just looked at weather, pattern, weather patterns for that area, and I left it in my garage, the non-insulated part of my garage, in, in about 10 inches of dry orchid bark with a water bowl, all summer long, and they got as hot as 92 degrees. Wow. October 1st, I walked by the cage. It was in a screen, a big tank with a screen top, and I dumped a pitcher full of water into the bark, like a monsoon, yeah. and they were locked up within an hour. Wow. And uh, That's the cool, so thing, cool. cool thing about them is they're in between live bears and egg layers. They by the time when they when they finally lay their eggs, the incubation period is only like thirty two days. So really, cool. most of the de- most of the development is done before they even lay the egg. Wow, <laughs> it's really That's cool. Really I mean, cool. And they have yeah. giant babies. They have these three or four babies. <laughs> these eggs are like huge. <laughs> they're a very, they're a very fun snake to work with. They're cool as shit. Are they difficult uh, they to keep? In- <laughs> no, right? Oh, they're ravenous. Really? Oh, cool. The first ones I got were imports, and I couldn't get them to eat for shit. And uh, here in Vegas, we got a guy named my buddy Ken Foos has Exotic Pets, which is a really good reptile store. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Yeah. So I, he used to have a, a rodent rack in the back of his store. So I went to the back and scooped out the nastiest, foulest uh, litter from one of the rat tubs. And I just bought out some fuzzy mice in that urine shit infested shavings. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't get they couldn't get enough of them. Really? I heard that. Yeah, I heard that they like to kind of like find their prey in the wild. Like they kind of like stumble into rodent nests and then eat all the babies and then run away. So I've heard well, it's yeah. kind of like mimicking that. Well, what they do is um, if you, when you feed them, you can tell they go down the burrow. Anything that try to run, anything that tries to run by them, they just pin it up against the, side, the wall of the tunnel. Right. So if they're eating and you and you put your finger between them and the side of the cage, they'll pin your finger against the side of the cage <laughs> to, to hold you there until I come back around. Rubber, rubber boas do the same thing. They're the same thing as a rubber, right. rubber boa. But um, yeah, they're, they're they're a cool little snake. There's another one of those kind of fun things that. I, you know, sometimes you just move on and you, you you circle back and you kind of regret it that you did it, but you can't keep everything. You just can't. Right. So I think with the emeralds and the sanzinias, I've, you know, like I said, a couple of other little fringe things. Um, I've got like one bioc condor I'm going to sell. I've got, I got this pair of rhino rat snakes I'm going to sell because it's just, I really don't want to keep an entire building cool for a snake that likes cooler temperatures, you know? Right. This doesn't right, make right, sense. Right. And then uh, I had a pair of diamond pythons and lost one due to tragic accident. And mm. 
I'm thinking, you know what, I'm really never going to pair this thing back up, so I'm, I'm probably going to move that out too. And that'll just, it's just some of the stuff that's odds and ends that I just, I know I don't have future designs on, so move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the way I look at it, it I can, um, if I look into some more Sandini, I, I can have a little cash stashed away for that acquisition. <laughs> 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 well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I uh, if I helped you guys or just rambled. No, no, totally, totally. This is this is my first time ever doing anything like this. I'm I'm certainly not a professional speaker. Oh, you did great. Totally. <laughs> you know, if if you guys if you guys have never really held one or or, or get a chance to, I I wholly recommend you look at this and Zinni. They are they are just uh, they're 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 they take no effort at all. They literally take no effort at all, and they're just just the coolest. I, I, um, one last thing. I, a good friend of mine. Well, Doug Taylor. He's in Seattle. He's 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 probably come as close as anybody in the U.S. of breeding his Bolins, and he lost his female last year, which is just uh, adult female. Yeah, sure. And uh, but he uh, he's my my one of my Sanzinia brothers, and uh, you know he he just sent me. Gave me two, two thousand, you know, two thousand and sixteen female green sends in Just gave them to me. Wow. wow. Yeah, Doug he is the guy. He hosts uh, the Northwest Carpet Fest. Doug is yeah, always correct. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah. He's a good guy. And uh, he's a guy who traded me a pair of blackheads for the green sends in male because he breeds blackheads like crazy. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Yep. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be up in his ho- at his house in a couple of weeks. I gotta go up to Seattle on business, so we're gonna go have some dinner and stuff. But he's a big rock climber, so he comes to Vegas every year. To, there's a place called Red Rock State Park that a lot of climbers like to go to. So whenever he does, we, nice. we have the boys we have the boys over here so they can get cleaned up and get a hot meal in them before they go off again. But he's one of the good guys, that's for sure. And you know, you, you find out you end up keeping four or five good friends in this hobby, close at hand, and the rest of the guys are just kind of acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, well, you know, yeah. it's like... It's, so true. If, you know, I'm talking about the kind of guys that if, if something happens to your wife or your kids, you could pick up the phone and they'd be at your front door before you even hung up. Yeah. Those kind of friends. You know, and that's that, that's the kind of guy Doug is too, but I was really, really sad for him. I don't know, I don't remember exactly what happened to his female, but like you were saying, he, he, would, he, would, he could palpate uh, developing embryos every year and then nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. She just reabsorb them. You know, and that's what my ground bows were doing for. I finally figured out, I think, but, you know, they're not doomerals. You know, doomerals have 25 plus babies. You know, these ground bows only have like four, but they're right. giant babies. Well, I, I guess I, I didn't realize, but I don't think they're sexually mature until they're over seven feet long. Really? Here's a funny. Here's an interesting story. I get these two. Uh, uh-huh. I won't take too much of your time, but I think you'll get it. Um, if you look at the Madagascan ground boas in the U.S., uh-huh. well, they've been on the sides. They've been on the sides list as long as Tanzania have, and very few were ever brought to this country. And of those, very few were ever bred. So, if you took all the country's kings, California king snakes, and they all came from 30 individuals, you know, after 25 years whatever the dominant phenotype was or is of those founding snakes, 
after 30 years, they're all going to pretty much look the same, right? Right. Whether it's a whether it's a dorsal stripe or whatever, right? So, 90% of the Madagascan ground boas in this country all manifest the exact same phenotype. They've got a big, kind of a blurred dorsal stripe all the way down their back, and orange necks and orange heads. And they have great big Morelia-looking plates on their head scales. Dumerals have little beady scales like a Gila monster. Okay? Okay. I get offered this pair of Madagascan ground boas that, make a long story short, somebody went to the big show in Germany, the ham show in Germany, um, a smuggled, gravid Madagascan ground boa gave birth in Germany, and this guy came back with six of the babies. He went over there Uh with 40 snakes. All right, he went over there with 40 snakes to sell. He came back with whatever. He got them through. So make a long story short, these things... If you looked at them from 10 feet away, you'd say, oh, man, those are the biggest doomerals I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Right. But, but they're not. They're Madagascan ground boas. And make, I put, back in the day, there was a, a forum called, a, a website called the Red Tail Boa Forum, red, redtailboa.org. Or, anyhow, but they had different subcategories, uh, and one of them was, was other boas. Right. Uh-huh. I, put a, I put a picture of them on there, and I think they were probably about three feet long at the time, and some guy whose name will remain who will remain nameless um, opines. Oh, those are those are those are ground boas, dude. You got fucked. At, at best, <laughs> at best, at best, they're crosses. They're hybrids. And he says, "I should know. I've done my research." And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. Well, okay, that settles it for me then. <laughs> well, if you said, yeah, exactly, you showed so, up. So exactly. So I, I took a close-up picture of their heads side by side, and about a month later, post the pictures using my work email, Addy, not my personal one. Mm. Same exact dude says, "Where the hell did you get those awesome ground bows, dude?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. So, so enough said. These, <laughs> yeah, I get the I, I get these snakes in, and I I I house them together for like three years. Uh-huh. A big vision cage. A big vision cage opens up, so I separate them for two. I start to cycle them, put the male in with the female, and leave the room. And for by the grace of God, I come back in. I don't know, thirty minutes later, and he's killing her. He's got her bit okay. behind the head. He's bit her behind the head, and he's got her in a constriction ball that okay. I could barely get a whip. You know, so I finally get her separated. Get him separated, and for the next three years, every time I put him in with her, she freaks out and yeah. not only is she uh, all she's trying to do is get the fuck out of dodge and he's he's crawling upside down you ever see a snake crawl upside down no yeah but no. from neurological disorders but <laughs> no, yeah, no i mean carbon no, he, <laughs> no he's he's arcing his tail as high as he can to the walls and he's spraying yeah. like a cat he's upside down make a long story uh, short it's just this this year was the first year i had full-on normal Sex out of these two fucking snakes, <laughs> and uh, she's grabbing. But oh, thank God! All right, well, yeah, it's a long way, long, long road, but you're getting there, and that's the plus. Well, yeah, I, so I, I, I think the whole thing was that um, they just weren't mature. Yeah, they. Uh, that, I get. That's the only. I just think. Well, shit. I shouldn't even have bothered until they were seven foot. Now they're just like ginormous. They're huge. Christ. But that's, that's awesome. another one. That, you know, that's another one that 
it's you know it's a niche species that's for sure. You know, not a whole lot of people even know the difference between doomerels and ground boas, but I do, and that's enough for me. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, um, go ahead. I mean, Bill, we had like, uh, I mean, like, you, so you got them, and you got the difference, and that's where you're at. And, I mean, do you have doomerel boas as well, or is it just, no. just these guys? Okay. Just these guys. No. Yeah, I I've never been enamored by the doomerels. Just never have. And um, you know, these were offered to me way back in the day in, from a guy I trust. And, um, you know, honestly, they, they, they do look different. There's no doubt about it. I, you know, and I'm, I'm really curious to see what their babies are going to look like. That'll be cool. I can't, yeah, I can't wait. You know, are they, are, are they going to, you know, because you know, I've got a thir- – actually, I have another male who is – who manifests all the North American typical traits. And he's he's like five feet long, and he has absolutely no interest in breeding. No, great. Crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> but he's a pain in the ass because even though he's five feet long, this is the first year he would take anything bigger than an adult mouse. Yeah, it's water python like that. Yeah, he'll he, he'll grab it with gusto and then just leave it. Mm. Now, the other day I got I got like a uh, large rat in him, so I'm hoping I can get some size on him and. Stick him in the rotation because Duck Taylor breeds the ground boas too. He's my uh, Madagascar buddy. Hmm. Matter of fact, Very before cool. I got, you know, when I first got my first trio of, of Sanzinia, he's the first guy, you know, that I hooked up with just trading advice because he had bred them like once. So there wasn't a whole lot of people to even compare notes with. Nice. And what, what's really kind of funny is um, there were a couple of guys that were occasionally getting litters and really thought, they were the king shits. I get. I, I, I'm hearing this from other guys, you know. <laughs> and here comes this, here comes this fucking dude out of Vegas, and just totally crashes the park. <laughs> like that's who, hilarious. I mean, who the fuck is whatever. this guy? And he's giving away all his secrets for free. <laughs> <laughs> that know. I love because that's hilarious. Well, you know, and guys, the other thing is, almost everybody I've sold a snake to has become a friend of mine. <laughs> right. You know, just. You know, not necessarily will I ever meet them face to face, but they become a friend of mine because I I really do give a shit about what I produce and, and how they turn out. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, and these emeralds I produced last year, um, there's no doubt about it. I'm going to regret the fuck out of it when they hit maturity because they're spectacular. And I should have I should have held them back. I really should. Oh yeah, yeah you should always have hold back because. Always, you have seller's remorse when everybody posts up the pictures when they get to be two years old. You're like, ah, crap. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's no, you know, but the thing is, I most of these guys I'll get, I'll either get, you know, we'll, we'll swap babies down the road or get or get yeah. deals back. That kind of, I, I like to keep it a, a loose barter system. I think it's fun. Yeah. Right. It really well, is. Bill, we have. We have some closing questions for you, and then we'll let you get okay. out of here. Um, yep. And they're the easy kind of happy questions, like what this one is. If you could work with any species of reptile without limitations, whether it be by law or cash, what would it be and why? Oh, my God. What would be my absolute holy grail? Yeah. Uh, probably the, uh, Cropan's tree boa. That was just right. recently, one that was just recently rediscovered down in that small, oh. it's, it's, 
it's that a corollary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's really interesting is because I'd seen an old video, the last one that had been found a decade or so ago, and I mm-hmm. said to my buddy, I said, they're looking in the wrong places for those things. They're not fucking arboreal at all. They look just like a Sanzinia in their body style. They're not a corral. I mean, they don't look like an Amazon tree boa at all. Yeah. And I told this, I told this guy like ten years ago. I said, scientists, they're looking in the wrong places. They're not up high. They need to be looking in the in the in the bowls of the roots and on the ground. <laughs> and sure enough, they just found that one what six months ago on the ground. Yeah. So you know that would yeah. be that would be the holy grail because. As of now, there's only one alive on the planet that they know of. Yeah. And it's it's a, it's like a five foot female, so it came from somebody. There's some, <laughs> there's some other one, there's some other ones out there. But I think that would yeah, be, that, that hopefully find more. Oh yeah, that but I mean habitat de- degradation and all that stuff. But I think I've I've herped a shit ton. I I herp a lot, you know, like and things like Gila monsters and uh, the uh, Western green rat snake that are considered rare. Trust me, guys, rarely seen does not mean rare. It just means we're there at the wrong time. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, talk, we're talking southern Arizona, and I go herping for the, my most successful time of the year for finding western green rat snakes is the last week of October and the first week of November. And they're all over the place. Okay. Okay. And guess what? No other herpers around as far as the eye can see. Everybody goes to everybody goes to Arizona during the monsoons. What right. since I've been keeping them since I've been keeping them. Two things about Senecolis. They don't like to be hot and they don't like to be wet. So good luck finding them in the monsoons. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot and of it's, sense. <laughs> it's the same it's the same it, well the thing is, like the Gila's, these two species got caught off guard by the desert. All of a sudden, it got hot and dry right. around them, and they've adapted. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> when it's so, they like to be humid, both of them, but they don't like to be wet. There's a shit ton of Gila monsters out there. They're not they're not rare at all. But you need to you need to be out there looking for them in March and February. Wow, yeah. I'd love to see Gila's. I, I want some so badly. So I got them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. They're. You know. They are, they're great. They're like. They're the perfect animal to have as your bottomless pit because they can eat ten mice a day without even thinking. <laughs> yes. Garbage disposal. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like having a big pine snake or a gopher snake or a bull snake just to eat all your shit for you. Yep. <clears throat> I did get bit by one too. That wasn't fun. Oh. So. You know. No. That. That. That can't be good. No. It was. Uh, it was just. Just. One tooth in just the tiniest side of my index finger, and it felt like a car door was closing on my hand until he finally let go. Oh, it hurt like a oh. motherfucker. Yeah, and oh. every time I moved, every time I moved, he just clamped down harder. Oh man. Yep. Oh, yeah, and that it, was sucks. A, it was through a pillowcase too, so I, I didn't really get. <laughs> oh my I, gosh. Okay. And it, it was, you know, so I was like, oh my god, oh my god, you know. It, it throbbed for like an hour, and I don't know if it was just from the pressure of the bite more than anything else. Like if you slam, you know, like you hit your thumb with a hammer, it's going to throb. Yeah. So I, I couldn't tell you, but that was like, that's why I don't do hots, because I don't, I, I don't pay enough attention. Right. I, just don't, I think there's enough. There's, oh, yeah, go ahead. Any other 
What other basic questions oh, you want to ask me? Well, the, the other basic question is if you could go field herping anywhere on the planet, where would you go and what would you be hoping to find? Madagascar, Sanzinia, and Ground Boas. No, no. There no. you go. That was you know easy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It would it, you know? either that or, or Australia. Yeah. You know, That's I probably have to say Australia because I'd like to see a big uh, King Horn Eye scrub in the wild across. I'd love somewhere in my life. I want to see a ten foot snake crossing the road. <laughs> I just, that would be like my, you know, even if it's a Burmese python in the Everglades, it would just be the coolest thing ever. Right. <laughs> you know, but if if I could have a month in Australia and and do do you know do all the Morelia, my 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 dream of all dreams is to get figure out a way sneak in to um, what is the uh, I can't think of it right now that's super rare Morelia in Australia that's supposed oh, to be Owen Pelly Python Owen Pelly Python that would be yeah, my, that would be the my aboriginal purpose. land and go looking yep. for it yeah yep, yep. That, the, we're on the same page <laughs> yeah <I'd be> like, <laughs> uh, Indiana we might Jones, take that yeah. trip with you <laughs> that would be, yeah that we would, might that go the, that would be the ultimate asking for forgiveness not permission kind of trip at the <laughs> <laughs> I know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'd have to that find a awesome. you know. I have to find a really creative uh, seamstress, Asian seamstress in Darwin, Australia, to make some new pockets for my pants, like to get them home too. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. that, that would be. But I mean, to, to see a blackhead in the wild would be just awesome. I mean, every. It'd be awesome, you know, and, and all the carpets and then, you know, even a little spot of pythons and things. I mean, come on, it would be like, it'd be like everything you found would be just, even even the legless lizards there are fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that really talking, is reptile heaven, man. <laughs> yeah, we're not even talking about the monitors. Nope. To see a big lace monitor would be unbelievable. I would agree. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll get there before I, before I'm too old to do it, to chase anything down. It'll, it's just a matter of time, but, um, or a parenti. <laughs> yeah, or a parenti, but I, I spent quite a bit of time pretty much, we're going to go again next year, but, uh, herping Costa Rica and Panama and, um, there's still, you know, a, a lot yet to be done down there. Cause there's a lot I have. Also, I have a trio, a trio of the Ruschenberg's tree boas, which are another Corallus subspecies. Uh, they, okay. call them they call them black-tailed tree boas, and they uh, are actually the biggest of all of them. They're bigger than emeralds. They're not as really? girthy as em- they're not as girthy as emeralds, but they they can get up to eight feet long. And um, very mellow, very calm, very very cool snakes. But the one. The one group in the family that I don't have are the annulated tree boas. So that's that's probably the only addition I'm really focusing on laying out some hard cash for if I have to, just to complete out the group. Okay, that'd be I, nice to complete the group. Yeah, it was, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys that have them, not a whole lot of guys that are breeding them. Um, Sooner or later, I'll, I'll look into them. But I'm not interested in the Amazon tree boas, the garden tree boas. They're just nasty. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I mean, Forget I think those. First, yeah. I, they are the meanest. They are the meanest snake on the planet, in my opinion. Yeah. They are just. You 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 hold one, you're going to get bit every single time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're wicked. They're they're just evil. And I, 
you know, I think it'd be fun to have some just to get babies. It'd be fun to the the heat panel and the cage space and all the other shit that goes with it just to have them. Right. Yeah. You know, it's and just, to um, deal with it. Well, it's like there's a guy, I don't know if, if you guys are in the same sort of, a guy named Keith McPeak. Oh, oh yeah. Right. We're good friends with yeah, yeah, we know Keith. Okay. my number one holdback female emerald last year. And um, it's like he said, he had a post a while back going, oh, you know, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. He goes, but I'm breeding snakes. I'm too fucking old to buy babies and rear them up. I can't wait. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, well, I'm, we saw, we saw uh, Keith at our carpet fest. He was, he was down here for the Northeast carpet fest. It, I have not met him, but we're friends through, shared philosophies and you, you can just tell when you talk to somebody if you click or not on, on, on things other than just reptiles, you know, what, what your priorities oh, yeah. are. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. So we live vicariously through each other's acquisitions. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I had this one female emerald that, I mean, I didn't even appreciate at the time, but I guess they have, they had the normal lightning bolt, really nice lightning bolt, white, dorsal patterning, but they also had all of their sides had these white lateral stripes, which okay. I didn't even know at the, I didn't even know at the time was really unusual for emeralds. Okay. So he kept saying, he kept saying, you know, messaging me, well, what about that one? I said, no, I'm going to keep her. So he'd bump up the price. How about now? No. How about now? Okay, <laughs> finally, it was like, sold. You can... <laughs> and that's, that's the one I'm, but you know what? It went to a really good dude and I, you know, hopefully I can get a baby back from her someday. Yeah, that's that's, that's why I, I sell my really good ones to friends. This way, I can know I can get something back at some point. So uh, yeah. that's, that's why you sell me that stuff. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and I promise I'm going to drive you home in the morning too, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll buy you breakfast. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, um, I, I hope I didn't just ramble on like an old no. Eccentric. It is perfect, but one more great. thing, uh, Bill. If you can, yeah. if you, if anybody want to get in contact with you, whether to you know check out your collection or chew your ear off about some stuff, how would they do that? Um, Facebook. Okay. Cool. But, Works um, for us. Yeah, and I'm 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 happy to give out my my cell phone number and shit like that. I have no problem with that. Okay. Awesome. So I and I've got you know under my, under my name of I've also got a little site called Desert Oaky Reptiles. Okay. Because I graduated I graduated from Oklahoma State, but I live in the desert, so it's Desert Oaky Reptiles. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, so either one. Nice. Oh, awesome. So dude, it's been great because it's like you yeah. got a ton of stories, and I think we only scratched like half of them or some of them. So you know. You, we're we're gonna have to have you come back on and chew our ear off again about some more boa stuff. So hell yeah, definitely Reach out. Cool. Facebook whenever. Awesome. You know, I spent I spent most of the week by myself in hotels, so I I'm I'm free to gap unless I'm hurting. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> Sweet. All, All right. right. All hey, right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming. All right. Have a good All one. Right, take care, y'all. All right. See you. That was uh, that was a good show, man. That was I, awesome. Uh, I know the there's a lot of stuff I love. I, <laughs> I know I oh, love shit. that kind of a reptile guy that's been in it for so long. 
that, you know, we get through the San Virginia stuff, but then we trail off onto these, like, all these other things. And we just, it's like, it's like talking to Nick and a bunch of other guys where it's like, oh, yeah, I bred this, 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 this. You know, it's really cool about those, this, this, this. It is. So yeah. it's like, I love that. Love those episodes. So that was yeah. great. And those guys that have been keeping, right? So, like, when I first started yeah. talking, sending the messages back and forth with Bill, you know, I, I just, I guess, silly me, just assumed that, you know, San Vinny is kind of his thing, not realizing that for somebody that's been in it, I mean, I never asked him his age or anything like that, but, you know, exactly. somebody yeah. that's been in it for so long, realizing that, you know, they weren't. As soon as he said, well, you know, I've read Scrubs, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. Holy shit. Why didn't you mention that? Yeah, it's like yeah. When, when you get to some of these guys, anything if that, that's the kind of reptile guy I want to be. Where it's like, yeah. you know what? I had I had my fun with Dominican Red Mountain Bows. I produced them, kicked them out. It's like, oh, really? You know, it's like that's him and Ryan is like where I want to eventually be in my reptile career, where it's like, yep, breeding all these weird species. So, you mm-hmm. know. That's awesome. Yeah, good times for sure. Um, so I have to give a shout out to Ian Bissell because uh, he got that uh, show together. He hooked us up with uh, Bill, and um, you know, it's only uh, good job, Ian. I yep. think we'll keep you around, Ian. So you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. I-, I feel bad. A lot of times, like, uh, my, I'm just so overwhelmed with work. Like, I'm. I'm doing like two jobs at one time and it's just like so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> he wants me to take a picture wearing his shirt. Thank you. I shirt- know. I know. I'm in the same boat, dude. I told here. No, I'm in a different boat because the shirt I got is a two XL and yeah, come on. It's like wearing a sheet right now. It's well, like- here's the thing. I got it large and it's like, I know I've lost weight, but like I'm not I'm not Nick Button yet, so it's not like I can like you know what I'm saying? Not, I'm not wearing baby gap shirts and stuff like three sizes too small, you know. I ain't got that bigger yet, but uh oh man. But not only that, I mean it just seems so simple, like take a picture where you wear the shirt holding a condro I like, know, I know. Oh man, dude, I, I, I wish I feel bad. And like I do too. we're trying so, to juggle I'll, like these these guests take care of that. What taking a picture? I got to. Yeah. I got to take care of taking the picture. So I gotta. I gotta figure something out with that. Yeah, so. I, I gotta get it done. <laughs> I feel bad. Yeah, I should have did it yeah. today, but I was taking pictures of my snakes and and stuff, and you know, I, I haven't done that in so long. It felt so good, like uh, out where the bar was during carpet fest. Uh, I put out yeah. the uh, set up the light tent so I can just go out there and snap a few pictures real quick. Um, but uh, I, that was good time. I have a new light tent. I have a new light tent coming, and when that arrives okay. is when I'm going to start taking pictures. But it's like, you know, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm glad I'm in the same boat. I'm glad I'm not the only Morelia Python radio host that hasn't figured out that we need to send Ian a picture. So yeah. no, it's yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm not the yeah. I feel better now. I'm not the only loser. Oh uh, yeah, you're not. <laughs> don't don't make don't yeah. you make me. Don't you make me look bad by going and taking a picture like tonight, all right? It's enough. Right. You, I'm going to do it. You wait. Yeah. Dick. So um, <laughs> one cool thing, uh, this happened while the show was going on, and this is why I said I had to step away for a second. <clears throat> yeah. I got a uh, 
a male diamond python from Greg coming. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's nice, man. It's black and white. I can hold on. Let me. Uh, I'll share the picture real quick as we're chatting up here. But uh, holy shit, dude! I had to jump on it quick. Um, there you go. Yeah. There was a diamond python. You had to pause the middle of the show and disappear to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I support this. <laughs> After well, seeing show- this animal, I support this decision of holding yeah. the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's nice, man. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's uh, Gary Bay, Val, or Val, whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, San Diego Zoo Bloodline. So, um, so this guy's both. Yeah. That's so, nice. yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty sweet for sure. But uh, it seems like uh, I've bought a lot of snakes as of recently. I know I've talked about. <laughs> I didn't. But, uh, I didn't want to bring it up, but you're you're pretty much on point right now. Because yeah. you're like you're like right before Carpet Fest, you're like I got to slim down. You got like eight IJs at Carpet Fest. You got a Darwin the week after, and now you've got a diamond. Yeah. Plus, I bought um, a new Guinea male carpet uh, from Derek. <laughs> um, and the reason is is because well, I'll tell you why. Like I had a male. No, no. Yeah. He died. Um, right. And. I want to keep that bloodline going because I don't right. really want to breed into anything else. So I saw that he posted up. Uh, me and Chris Salemi were talking about this, and we were like, well, what do you, you know, because he has a female, and I have three females, which I don't necessarily need three females, but I do need a male <laughs> in order to keep the line going, you know? So uh, I may slim down. You know, and just have a pair, but uh, you have, you may have to trim the fat. Like you know, don't yeah. don't don't kill the project, but you don't need three girls. So you know, no, I see that. No. Yeah. <laughs> so things like that, you know. Um, but uh, I saw that he had hacked out a clutch, and he's really the only guy that works with him. So I had contacted him, and uh, you know, he made me a sweet deal. So here's what it is, and that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I, no, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, you know, I I left Carpet Fest with my holdbacks back in my hands and three runner rats, Nick. So you know, come on. And I yeah. and I said the only things I was going to buy this year were uh, I wasn't going to buy anything this summer. And this I bought a Maclots python right before Carpet Fest. That's a spotted python or a children's python. I mean, what? Okay, so, yeah. that? Um, yeah. Well, that was just a picture of my spotted python that uh, I was showing there, which yes. I thought was pretty oh cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. See, yeah. you got to send me the text first before you send me the picture. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That is your fault. <laughs> yeah, my fault. Um, so you saw the other part of it? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Very good. Um, yeah, you should, yeah, do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, what else do we got going on? Yeah, I don't know. With downsizing, but adding at the same time. So, well, I guess that's just, if you're downsizing, I got to knock down the wall, man. That's it. Just you do. You got to do wall. that now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is that now start buying racks? You know, all that fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm done building mine because I might have a bunch of extra PVC boards. So I'll, I'll let you know. So. Oh, cool. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, I don't know. There's somebody that might come on next week. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but it's not. Right. It, it may be just me and you hanging out, uh, shooting shit. Gavin. Whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that works out. Um, but uh, a lot, of, like I said, man, a lot of cool shows coming up. So uh, uh, Ian's helping us a lot. He's got uh, he, he's pushing for more. He wants he wants he wants chop chop. Like I'm slacking off when it comes to uh, getting this going, but uh, he's he's on the ball. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we can get uh, right. a little uh, uh episode squeezed in pretty soon. You know, I'd love to, to contact Doug Taylor and talk to him about Blackheads. Uh, yeah, would that nice. would be cool, you know, um, since he's having such success. So, uh, I don't know if you got anything else. Um, I know uh, we didn't hit on the Southwest Carpet Fest. But it seems like that was uh, uh, yeah, pretty we, awesome. We should, talk, we should probably get one of those guys to come on with us and uh, talk about well, how that went down. If not, we'll just bug Nick about it. But um, obviously what I would say is that if you are not or if you haven't already entered into the calendar competition, it is live yes. on the Morelia Pick of the Week. Uh, go on, post up the picture that you're entering. Tell us what category you're entering in as well as what animal is pictured. Uh, remember the rules are it has to be your animal that belongs to you or – a animal that you photographed in the wild if you did it a little herping trip. That's all we want. There are the categories that are listed up there. Just put the number for the category in your picture and you're entered. Winners get a free calendar. And if you win Morelia of the year, you get to come on next year and uh, help judge the calendar competition with us. Uh, I guess I'm going to close out first. What I have is you guys can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Also look up Rogue Reptiles on Facebook.com. Uh, I'll be taking photographs. Like I said, I'm waiting for a new light tent to come in, and I'll be taking photographs of all of these animals and uh, posting them up for sale. I have a pretty good amount of stuff available right now from caramels, coastals, uh, caramel jags, super caramels, or pot super caramel jags, as well as a bunch of red and tiger jags and we're waiting on the jungles to start shedding and eating and we're waiting on the uh, caramel head exanix to hatch so there's gonna be a lot of weird stuff the next show i have that i'm vending will be october in timley park chicago but i can go to any east coast reptile show that is in the pennsylvania tri-state area to drop off baby so that would be the habit of grace reptile show the white plains reptile show and the hamburg reptile show pretty much those three and maybe a few others that are kind of tiny let us know uh drop us a line email phone number whatever works out um like i said the calendar competition is up if you wanted to learn anything more about the show uh, you can contact us through the website, which is uh, com, as well as if you have guest suggestions, like what Ian did to set up this show, let us know. We'll reach out to pretty much anybody to try to see if they want to come on. 
if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to tell us that we did something horribly wrong, uh, which has happened before, please contact Eric at uh, EB Morelia or Eric at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Do not send those emails to me. I will delete them or not be able to. I think I have an email on MoreliaPythonRadio.com. I've never opened it. So if you guys have been sending me hate mail, it's been a waste of time because I can't get in to see it. Just, you know, send it to Eric and he'll forward it to me. So, oh. <laughs> That's all I have. I'm not sure what Eric's doing right now. He's probably pining over his diamond picture, but he says he's going to be right back, and then he'll close it out. <laughs> it's easier to close this out when you're here. But anyway, um, the other thing Sorry. is, are you Sorry. back yet? God yeah. damn you. All right. Yeah. I've done all my sticks, so do your stick, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, you hit Morelia Python Radio. Myself is ebmorelia.com. Yeah. Uh, now that uh, Carpet Fest is over, I'll be updating that more regularly, so go check it out. Um, lots of cool stuff I'm working on. I'm trying to put together my collection page so I have individual uh, uh, animals up there. Uh, still trying to work on the name thing. I really need to be better <laughs> at naming <laughs> <laughs> everybody has cool names for their snakes. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but it seems like when I have a name, it's I'm like, oh, that's not that cool. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. We'll see what happens with that. But doesn't uh, much matter. Yeah, just as long as you know what the animal is. Um, exactly. So uh, we talked about um, the. Uh, uh, calendar contest, so that's good. Yep. I can't think of anything yep. else. Uh, oh, I, I did want to mention this. Um, I'm going to try in the, over the next couple of days. I did get the uh, the wrestle links, um, and I'm going oh, to try cool. them out. So uh, I got some cool stuff for that. So I can give a shout out to uh, uh, to those guys over there at wrestle links. Um, really hooked it up, and uh, uh, I'm going to try and do some video of. Uh, uh, some of my snakes trying to eat it. I had that one carpet python that Rob Stone rescued back from the brink of death uh, with mouse tail. <laughs> so I'm going to try to feed him a, uh, uh, you know, I got one of those uh, little ones. I guess they're called micro uh, links or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to give that a try, see how that works out. Uh, hopefully uh, can get that guy going um, and uh, all as well. Um, cool. I heard, I heard you said that just so everybody knows, the email is info at moreliapythonradio.com. Damn it! <laughs> Not Eric. It's e- info. It's getting mixed up. Right, well, Eric at ebmoreliapythonradio.com and moreliapythonradio is info at moreliapythonradio.com. We've only been uh, doing this for five years. I, I yeah. deserve a break, okay? Yeah. You know, Christ. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's all I got, except uh, I wish you a happy birthday since your birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I wanted to make yeah. sure that I, I got back on here to, uh, <laughs> to say that. So, everybody, when you're listening to this tomorrow, just flood Owen's uh, uh, Facebook page with happy birthday uh, wishes. So, that's all I got. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And this, and we'll close out with that. And uh, thank you guys all for listening and say that we're going to catch you all back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good.